You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Wednesday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this show. Today I've got Cam Berry and Tom Peavy with me for the full three hours as we go over everything happening in the wide world of sports. And that will, of course, include today a lot of different football topics, continuing to talk transfer portal and the like as a couple more SEC-relevant names made decisions in the last 24 hours and decisions to visit other places, so we'll keep you abreast of that. Uh, Continue to talk recruiting as need be. Uh, We will preview Auburn basketball tonight. They've got a game in Huntsville against UNC Asheville. Uh, Of course, hometown of uh, J.J. Jackson. Just want to throw that out there. That hasn't been said in the show in a little while. Uh, He's from Asheville, if you'll recall. We just saw J.J. Yes, we just did. And maybe that was on the brain. But uh, playing UNC Asheville in Huntsville tonight, Brooks Childress is actually going to be covering that game for us. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about that one. Also, maybe get into a little NFL today, as tomorrow will be a shorter show, so we won't have the full – uh, time tomorrow to get into our usual NFL Thursday. So we might talk a little NFL today. And also want to talk uh, a little bit about the SEC schedule. That is going to be unveiled tonight at 6 o'clock, right after we get off the air. And, of course, we already know the opponents for 2024, but we do not, for the most part, know the order for 2024. So we might give a little speculation on that, what we'd like to see, and uh, get you set for that schedule reveal tonight. Uh, and that will be something we'll talk about in the show tomorrow. If you want to give us a call, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one triple eight nine Tiger Nine to join us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line today. We'll also have Joe Bartle of RotoWire on that Orthopedic Clinic phone line at five fifteen. Talk some NFL and fantasy sports with us. Ryan, Tom, and Cam with you here on this Hump Day Wednesday. We'll start with you, Tom. How are you today? Doing great. Um, yeah, just yeah, doing good. Just trying to keep keep track of everything that's going on. It's been kind of a quiet day, uh, at least on the Auburn side of stuff. It's been sure pretty quiet day, but. Uh, yeah, just keeping track of all the recruiting news, the portal news. Uh, just, yeah, getting ready for some Auburn basketball, see if they can keep their hot play going after the Indiana game. So uh, get get this one done and then get ready to host Bronny and that whole circus show that is Southern Cal yeah. coming into town. Uh, yeah, no USC coming up on Sunday. That'll be a lot of chatter the next couple of days. Cam Barry on the show today. Cam, how are you today? Yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, d- uh, happy Wednesday. Um, you know, a sad Sunday because my Falcons lost to your Bucks, Ryan. But you know, live and 
live and, and experience the NFC South that is absolutely terrible. So, uh, yeah, but I'm doing great. Uh, Auburn fa- following a fantastic win um, against Indiana, just an absolute blowout, beat down, um, and not even really involving Janai Broom. So uh, when you're getting the shooting going like that, it, it, it brings some positivity because um, if you're able to beat a team like, uh, like Indiana that – um, you know, plays inside so well. And, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, just uh, overall, just a great game from them, uh, from, from Auburn. And, um, yeah, but I'm doing great. Uh, ready to talk a little bit more basketball tonight. I'm looking for, uh, some things, some talk about some things that I'm looking for just to, to see from this Auburn team as, uh, like Tom said, they can continue playing, uh, playing some good basketball and, uh, and and talk a little bit of recruiting maybe and ready always ready to talk a little bit of NFL. I love talking NFL. So I'm I'm excited. It's a great Wednesday and uh let's get to it. Absolutely. Let's get to it indeed. So as uh, Tom alluded to a little bit, the latest portal rumblings not really pertaining too much to Auburn, although there is some relevant things in the SEC going on. Uh spoke a little bit yesterday about the possibility that Trevor Etienne would go to Georgia, transferring from Florida. Uh, the the couple latest bits of news today uh, that South Carolina gets Arkansas running back uh, Rocket Sanders. Of course, Sanders was very banged up for Arkansas this year, but he was projected to be an all SEC guy. So when healthy, that still figures to be one of the better running backs in the SEC. Also, the news that Mississippi State's tandem of portal guys, Will Rogers and Jaquavius Marks, Woody Marks, if you will. Uh, are expected to go on official visits to Washington as Washington makes the move from Pac-12 to the the Big Ten. So some more portal nuggets there. Uh, There continues to be a plethora of guys available, even though a few have committed still. Have not heard some on the quarterback front from Will Howard. I know that Cam Ward is going to take a visit to Florida State this weekend. Uh, and it's still some other guys, certainly in the portal too. Uh, yesterday, Tyler Van Dyke committed to Wisconsin from the uh, Miami quarterback. So the movement has been has been there. Auburn continues to be all quiet on the Western Front, though. Yeah, uh, Grayson McCall to to NC State, NC State yep. uh, a guy that Auburn targeted heavily last year in the portal, but he ended up going back to Coastal Carolina. A guy that. You just didn't hear anything about really about Grayson McCall other than fans talking about it. Once he decided he was going to go back into the portal this year, there was some chatter with the fans just because they remembered how much Auburn really went after him. Thought that he was going to be here instead of Peyton Thorne. And some academic things happened to where he was not able to transfer and went back to uh, Coastal. But uh, he's going to NC State. So that that commitment happened. so yeah, I mean, uh, nothing, nothing really moving on the on the Auburn front. Now there was a um, uh, the big offensive lineman that Auburn had in on a visit from Houston. I can't think of his name. He committed elsewhere. I uh, saw that today, and so uh, I mean, I, I guess that was that's the only one that I really. Oh, he, he uh, committed to Colorado. Um, that that's about the only one that I I could think of that actually had a an Auburn spin to it was, yeah, was the, the offensive lineman from Houston that had visited the Toledo one as well uh, Vinny Vinny uh, I can't even say the last name Sk- the one from Toledo right uh, he committed to Texas Tech as well today gotcha. that was another offensive lineman that Auburn was kind of interested in so um, that was <clears throat> that was a, a miss as well but now in the meantime apparently Hugh Freeze has been up in in the Michigan area visiting a uh, 
offensive lineman from Michigan State that is okay. in the portal, I guess. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, Auburn's going after some guys. That, that's just it. They, and, and they're going to miss on some guys, and they're going to get some guys. So, you know, for the ones that they, the ones that they swing and miss on, Hey, it happens. They're, they're as much as you'd like to. It's part of the game. It is part of the game. As much as you'd like Auburn to get every single guy they go after, that's just not realistic. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's been quiet as far as Auburn getting guys today. Uh, but they're still working, still working on some dudes. Yeah, I think the next couple of visits of note uh, for people to keep track on it. Again, some guys that announced they'd be visiting Auburn. Uh, there is a Mississippi State wide receiver, Xavier Thomas who locked in an official visit to Auburn. Again, talked about Will Rogers moving on from State and Woody Marks. Mississippi State's losing a lot of personnel. Now, that is pretty natural with the coaching change, and there's going to be different philosophies for sure. Uh, but with Savian Thomas at Mississippi State last year, pretty productive receiver in his sophomore year, 40 catches, 503 yards, and a touchdown. So Xavier Thomas is going to be a guy that visits Auburn. And then also of note, of course, there was a decision by an Auburn Tiger last night that influences the 2024 roster, uh, and that is – on the at the defensive tackle position, Marcus Harris, uh, right? With Marcus Harris going pro officially now, he was a senior, but technically with COVID, he could have come back one more year. But obviously, had a surprisingly really good season this year, so he's yeah. going to try to go when the stock is high. Uh, but there is a defensive lineman from Penn, yes, the Quakers, Joe mm-hmm. uh, Joey Slackman, who has twenty six offers already in the portal, a six four three hundred pound defensive lineman that had a pro football focus that was the best uh, a pro football focus grade that was the best among any FCS defensive lineman and Auburn is in the process of recruiting him uh, and so again what that amounts to I don't know but he has scheduled an official official visit to Auburn and Auburn obviously now has a bigger need uh, no pun intended there on the defensive line, <laughs> right? So, uh, but but this guy grades out basically as the best defensive lineman in the FCS. So, again, it's kind of hard to quantify that sometimes. Right. But if you're going to take somebody from a lower level of football, take the number one, the best, take the number one right. guy. Take so, the guy that's really good. So, yeah, they will miss Marcus Harris. Of course, they got the news that Keontae Scott would return, uh, and again, that's kind of how it goes this time of year. You get one bit of good news, one bit of bad news, everything in between. Uh, and that sort of thing. So, again, our buddy Justin Ferguson, who was on the show yesterday, he does a great roster tracker on the Auburn Observer. Uh, you can check that out and kind of keep track of the chronological order of all this and, and where the scholarship stuff stands and that sort of thing. But uh, Harris leaving definitely will leave a little bit of a hole there from a defensive line that ultimately this year was pretty good against the run. I, I don't know the exact stats that come to mind, but it just it again, it was kind of a feel thing, eye test-wise, that it ends up grading better as a run defensive front than a pass rush defensive front. And Harris was a big reason for that. And oftentimes your interior defensive linemen are. Uh, so, so that is someone that they will need to replace, and they might do that in a veteran way. Of course, they're trying to flip some more uh, Florida defensive linemen in the portal, LJ McCray, and there's uh, another defensive lineman who is a four-star that we read the quote from yesterday that, uh, made it seem like Florida would probably not be his destination. So working on a lot of high school things, but also when you're a big boy in the middle, I, there's, so, again, some positions you can come in as a freshman and impact things. There's some positions as a freshman that 
the body shape matters and the physicality matters and and sometimes being 18 year olds 18 years old matters in a negative way so defensive line i don't know if they're going to stuff a big boy up the middle and play him most downs from year one uh and, and so they will very likely as they've already gravitated towards the pin defensive lineman i think they're going to very quickly look into the portal and, and try to figure out uh a solution that way with a more veteran guy although they, again they're still trying to pull uh, these high school guys as well we're gonna go ahead and take our first timeout of the show back with more sports call right after this timeout You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday. About to go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line for the first time today. Also wanted to update one more thing that's transfer portal related, but it's a more general thing, is that there was a ruling today in court that for the next 14 days, second-time transfers can play immediately. And, of course, that was a rule that the NCAA made this summer to kind of try to put some sort of tempering on the multi-time transfers, the pure chaos that goes on in the portal. And that was struck down for a temporary amount of time today. Again, that, that is not going to necessarily project out to the future. There will be more court dates. There will be more rulings. But for now, uh, a 14-day window of opportunity – for second-time transfers to be eligible. Now, this, of course, affects the sports going on right now, not as much football, uh, but basketball transfers, and Jeff Goodman put out a list that was absurdly long that I did not read the whole entirety of, but there's 50, 60 kids that would be able to play for the next two weeks. It would be a very odd situation because then in two weeks, those players could then be back to being ineligible, uh, depending on that next ruling that's coming up on the 27th. But you could have a situation where they do end up playing a couple games and then become ineligible again. So uh, waiting to see a more permanent solution. But I, I wanted to get to that because you might see in the news or might have a, a headline or something that reads that second-time transfers are now able to play and then they don't have to sit. And that is true. But that simply would be misleading because for now it is only a two-week window before they rule again on it on the 27th and so i don't want to have a, a complete laundry list of comments until they actually make something uh, more permanent one way or the other i did say in the past that 
I thought it was better to put some sort of restriction at some point uh, on something. So a, a second time needing an actual good reason, I feel, uh, was the right move. Uh, but we'll see what they end up rolling again in the 27th. For now, those guys, particularly uh, in these winter sports, those guys and girls that were second-time transfers, uh, they can play for these next two weeks. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one 9 tiger 9 to join us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Today we go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line for the first time. Ward Dam Steve. We're tired. Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you today? Hey, thanks for taking my phone call, guys. Uh, doing good. It's uh, Wednesday, and uh, that means we only have two more days of Friday, right? Yes, sir. We're we're The weekend's on the horizon. Okay, I still got it. All right, guys, let's get to it real quickly then. Uh, you know, uh, from my uh, experience anyway, uh, I, I've learned that, you know, at least I, my observations are maybe skewed, but whenever Auburn begins doing really good in a particular sport, whether it's football, baseball, or basketball, then it's, uh, it's almost a written rule or a commandment that someone is going to write uh, a hit article or hit piece on that sport. And we've got it. USA to sport, USA Today's sports writer. Is he a sports journalist, guys, or what is he? Yeah. Dan Wolken. Yeah. Yeah. He's a well, sports I'd like to know journalist. where he got his uh, journalism degree from because maybe uh, they need to be contacted to reconsider that uh, degree. But uh, if you haven't read it, it's entitled Secret Filming in Sports Isn't Limited to Football. It's just hard to prove. It's a 10 part series. Have uh, you gentlemen uh, read it yet? I did read it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, basically, uh, he's referring to apparently uh, the SEC uh, coaches' meeting. Uh, back in 2017-18, apparently there were allegations being made uh, about concerns about video cameras being used in basketball arenas uh, related to visiting teams' practices. And apparently there was uncorroborated information that was shared uh, during that meeting. And yes, he did not name the institution, but uh, according to Mr. Wolken, several people uh, anonymously uh, for protection purposes, you know, because they, they, I guess they didn't want to be, what, uh, threatened, harassed, uh, accused, or named the uh, the offender, alleged offender, was Bruce Pearl and the Auburn basketball team. Right, guys? Yes, that's what the article said. Okay. Now, my question is this. If there was any uh, substantial evidence, then something would have come of that before now, and yet nothing came of it. Right, guys. Yeah, I mean, obviously, those those the league wanted if, if, reading the whole article. The league wanted uh, someone to put their name on the accusation, and no one ever did. Uh, and and so Not even Alabama, usually Alabama will go after people, won't they? I mean, I guess I I don't I, I don't have a strong opinion on that. I I think that the only compelling part of that article was at the very end, uh, if it was true that. Um, the, the the team that ran a practice the night before that put in a signal that they had never done before, and then Auburn knew it. That would if if that's true, that's the only compelling. That's the compelling part of that that article. But again, giving the source of Dan Wolken, who has been a noted Bruce Pearl hater from the, I mean, I against I, years, I, even before Auburn, honestly. Uh, then you've got to put some more concrete stuff on the table 
to, to give it serious merit. Yeah, and he says here in the article, right at the very end, you're right, uh, Brian. As for the Auburn situation, he says, the SEC never had any basis to sanction the school or even launch a foreign investigation. Nothing was proven. But like you said, his coaching staff, uh, they tried to test his theory, according to his uh, source. So if they then, if this is factual, then why wouldn't they have taken that information uh, immediately reported to the SEC uh, uh, office? Yeah, again, I, I, I don't... I don't know. I mean, I think that uh, it's possible that they did not want to be draw the ire of anybody. It's. I, I mean, I don't. Again, I, I don't think that they honestly, with what's going on in college sports, I, I feel like either it's a situation where if you're not going to be able to prove it, then don't talk about it, or if you can prove something's going on, then it's entirely possible that you yourself are doing something of the elk too, uh, and so. I, I I don't know. Again, I have this is the first that's come up about it, and it's been five or six years later. But again, I w- until there is more cooperation and more people jumping on it that are not provenly biased against one entity then or one person, then I'm 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 not I'm taking it with a very minuscule grain of salt. Okay, and then my bottom line question would be: Why now, Mister Wilkin? Why now? What triggered this uh, this mention of Auburn? Well, I mean, I'm sure he's using the the stallions, the 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 Michigan stuff is is why he he's you know his his slant is that uh, that it's not just a football thing and you know the 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 foot people Auburn? think it's just football thing. Well, because that's that's the reporting he had, or that's the that's the instance he had. I mean, I again that, that's if he's been told that or if he has someone that thinks that, then that's what he's going to bring up. I mean that. Uh, and, and he's I, again. I don't know if he's uh, taken something that was not true and run with it or not. But if if you're going to get a source that claims that, then that's the instance you're going to use. And if you're going to make it public, this information, I thought you know, credible and ethical journalism requires. Hey, I need to have some hard evidence before I put this uh, in writing. Uh, that's that's what I read about credible journalism. Uh, that you just don't throw stuff out. Uh, just because it's an allegation, and you found nothing, no smoking gun, the SEC didn't uh, initiate, no one did a formal investigation, so why was it worthwhile or newsworthy to bring Auburn up there, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I, again, it's just, it's it's definitely his slant against Pearl, and it's always been that way. Okay, alright, speaking of uh, journalism, guys, you may or may not recall that I had brought up how Sports Illustrated had written some articles and contents uh, sports articles that were written by fictitious yes. individuals. AI. Well, apparently uh, the uh, CEO of Sports Illustrated, among other administrative level people, have been fired by the parent company of Sports Illustrated. Did you know that? I did not. Uh, the Arena Group uh, just fired yesterday uh, Ross Levinson, uh, their CEO for Sports Illustrated, along with the coup and uh, one of the um, attorneys uh, for Sports Illustrated. Uh, they didn't give the real um, the allegation based on AI stuff. They said it was to improve the operational efficiency and revenue. I love this. Uh, but that's what's happened to those people. So I, just to know, you had, uh, I just want to give an update status on what happened with all that. Sure. All right. Uh, moving on, guys. Uh, speaking of firings, this comes from Bleacher Report. 
uh, I don't know if you've read this one yet, but apparently um, this comes from Aaron Walsh. Hate this rumors. Bill Belichick's future had been decided since week 10 loss to the Colts. Have you read that article? I hadn't read the article, but I, I saw the headline, yeah. You did? Saw a yeah, quote or two from it. Uh, the Patriots insider Tom E. Kern, don't know who he is, uh, he was on Monday's NBC Sports uh, in Boston, reported that Patriots owner Robert Kraft made a decision on Belichick's future following the team's Week 10 loss to the Indianapolis Colts in Germany. Uh, and that's what the whole article is all about. Guys, do you expect that to be the, the fruition at the end of the season then? Yeah, my, my prediction is that this is the last year for Bill Belichick in, in New England. I, I think that the team has been uh, so poor uh, and they have regressed, honestly. Their quarterback situation has regressed. The drafting has been really rough, to be honest with you. I mean, there are examples from almost every single year of New England. It used to be there was examples of them finding a diamond in the rough every single year. Now it's examples of them missing this great skill position player that would have helped them immensely uh, for several years. And and some would want Belichick to just be fired as the GM and, and just continue on as the head coach. But I, you know that that's up to Belichick to be willing to relinquish that power, of which he might not. And then New England might just be ready to start over. I think the great irony is, is that the quote Patriot way and the and the, everything the Patriots stood for, if they had a situation like this with one of their players, they moved on. Uh, I mean, they would have moved on from a player doing this. So right, that's what Belichick used to do. He loved to go to heartbeat. Right, and don't think that they wouldn't because they did not go above and beyond to keep Tom Brady. Like that was just a few years ago. If Brady had retired then that would have been completely different. But Brady walks because they didn't uh, do enough to keep him and, and had been drafting poorly and all that. And then he goes proves that he had a few years left in him. And so, uh, you know, I, I think that the irony is is that in every situation they would have moved on from a player like this. So, yeah, I think that they are going to move on uh, from Belichick. I, I believe they will. And it's been how many years that Brady's been gone? Uh, four. This is the fourth year. Fourth yeah, he played three, three for okay. Tampa, and then he's this first year he's been retired. So here's New England's record since Brady's left. Or do you want to guess? Well, they had one playoff appearance where they lost in the wild card. They went about 500 with Cam. I think seven and nine, maybe the first year, eight and eight, seven and nine. Uh, second year they went. What was it about uh, ten and six, ten and seven, ten and seven? Yeah. Yes. Uh, year three. Uh, God, last last year what they do? They won like seven games, four, six games, seven games, and then this year they're three and ten. I don't know what exactly they were last year, but something there. That's around the record. Okay, I won't torture you. New England's record in the last four seasons is twenty eight and thirty five. Yeah, now that's about right. Then yeah, that's about seven, ten, uh, eight, I guess, and then three this year so far. Yeah. So that kind of tells me, hey, Bill. Why'd you let you know, Mr. Brady go, huh? Yeah, again, they, they certainly clashed heads a little bit towards the end. It just kind of got, as some things do, they get a little bit old, and uh, it was not the right decision. And speaking of really abysmal, what's going to happen, or what should happen to the woeful 1-12 Carolina Panthers? Well, they already fired their head coach, uh, Frank but, Wright. Uh, yeah, 
anybody other than him being fired? Any other coaching? They staff? will, but you can't fire everyone middle season because you got to have people to actually coach and, and and call the plays for the next few weeks because you can't just hire a new staff in the middle of the year that's on an interim basis. So the, I'm well, sure. Surely anybody, excuse me, surely if they did fire them, they couldn't, couldn't do any worse than what they've been doing, right? Well, yeah, but again, that's not the point because they're not going to get people for four games that are not already in their building. They're gonna. They're just gonna keep the guys in their building uh, that have less blame because they're not the head coach. And then when the new when they hire the new coach, most of those guys, if not all of them, will will then be fired. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair they're, enough. They're they're all lame duck coaches. All of them. Okay. They know it. Yeah. All right. they, they know. All it. Right. And then this is just for laughs, at least for me anyway. So I see this. One, I said I got to read this. It comes from Leach Reports. Timothy Rapp. And the headline is, Deion Sanders inspires creation of Colorado leadership in public performance class. I said, well, wait a minute, let me read this nonsense. And uh, apparently it's not nonsense for the University of Colorado, but do you know what I'm referring to? Yeah, they have a, a new class. That, uh, I forgot what it's called, but, but yeah. it's. Well, yeah. are you ready for it? Something prime about pr- time. prime time, yeah. Are you kidding me? He's making, t- this is, uh, making a farce of uh, college-level courses. Prime time. Actually, it's called Public Performance and Leadership. Okay. So, anyway, I just thought I'd throw that little nugget in. All right, now, here's a positive one. Um, this Kyla Swanson, six foot four volleyball player, she has been apparently uh, drafted or invited to join the Pro Volleyball Federation team. Uh, the team is called the Omaha Supernovas, uh, and she will be one of their first, I guess, team members. Uh, but it's a legitimate professional volleyball team, guys. Uh, I didn't know if you were aware of this uh, organization uh, actually being a professional volleyball team. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, no idea. they have seven teams, and Omaha Supernovas is one of them. The Atlanta Vibe, Orlando Valkyries, I love that one. Uh, Columbus Fury, the Grand Rapids Rise. San Diego Moho and the Vegas Thrill. Okay. Yeah, so, I had no clue. Uh, th- there we go. So they will be playing their first match on January 24th, and the Supernovas will take on the Atlanta Vibe at the CHI Health Center. Where's that at? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't okay. know. So anyway, uh, I'm, I'm happy for her. Apparently she's, um, she was a very good volleyball player uh, for, uh, for Auburn. She's a six foot four. All right, so real quickly, guys, tonight's game, Vegas uh, people have a 19.5-point favorite. And, of course, this is a, what, a trap game, according to Coach Pearl, right? Yep, uh, that, that was what he used, yep. Yeah, okay. Uh, now, he also told them the Appalachian State game before the game was played was a trap game. That didn't seem to get anybody's attention. Uh, do you think they'll be complacent this time, or do you need, you know, sleepwalking? I doubt it, and then I also think that it's it's very relevant that while even though it's not at Neville Arena, it is still a neutral site game, and and they will not have any sense of a road crowd uh, to to amplify any issues. So even if Auburn has sloppy moments or uh, shoots poorly for a stretch of the game, uh, they're still going to have a predominantly Auburn crowd to get behind them. So uh, I I would be I would be absolutely stunned. Um, if if this ended up being a close game and Auburn would have, I think, 
uh, real issues to deal with if this did, did end up going down on the wire. Yeah, no, I, you know, no, I do not expect them to score 100 points. Um, but good gosh, I mean, they should beat the points. Fit. Uh, I'm thinking, right, guys? Uh, the what you said 150 is the over under. No, 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 no. Uh, it's 151, but the points play is 19 and a half points. 19 and a half. Yeah, I mean they could. They definitely could. I, I think that uh, I, they'd have to shoot very poorly to to not be able to cover that. So I think that I I would think they'd win by something around 25 points or so. Now, just real quickly, guys, I didn't understand why are they playing this game in Huntsville? Uh, just to be able to give uh, the opportunity for different areas of the of the southeast there to watch auburn play uh in a neutral environment i think that they they like to put their show on the road a little bit uh in in the south and and give auburn fans from slightly different areas an opportunity to attend so i think that they just wanted to to give a game to the the northern part of the state and have those still a lot of auburn fans obviously up there so give them the opportunity to easily attend the game okay hey coach griff finally guys um have you guys heard anything? He's still part of the coaching staff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he still is, and uh, that that continues to be the expectation. Still, no changes on staff right now. Okay, guys, my time is up. As always, I thank you for the time that you allow me. So, with that said, y'all have a safe afternoon. And uh, Brooks is going to be announcing uh, on, on the game for tonight. No, no, no. He's just covering the game. He's he'll He's be covering. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Okay, and uh, you had had contact today with JJ. Is that right? Uh yes. Yes, I okay. did see. If you could just do me a favor, would you please say, uh, tell him that uh, Wardam or Ty Ward MC said to have a happy festivus? Okay. <laughs> yes, we will All do right. that. Thank you, guys. War Eagle. War Eagle. That is Retired Ward MC joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We are going to head to our next timeout. Back with more sports call right after this. Time out. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lavoy, Cam Barry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday edition of the program. I want to remind you that tomorrow will be a shortened edition of Sports Call. We've got Borgard High School boys and girls basketball on our airwaves, so we'll be getting off air between about 4.30 and 4.45 tomorrow. And again, that will happen a couple of times next week. We'll let you know on Friday what that will be looking like. Uh, but again, with you for the full three hours today. Again, reminder, Joe Bartle of RotoWire will come up at 5.15 today. We'll talk some fantasy and NFL with Joe. In the meantime, let's talk some Auburn basketball as they get set for a date with UNC Asheville tonight. 
Obviously, Auburn very triumphant in Atlanta on Saturday, a game where I think that we're going to be circling back to that one throughout the year just because that seemed like the best version of Auburn that we might get all year. We'll see. I mean, hopefully Auburn can shoot like that and, and score around 100 points some more this year, but uh, the likelihood is that that is not will happen very often <laughs> if it happens again at all. Uh, but as they get ready for UNCA tonight, I know a lot of attention is on USC on Sunday, but they got to focus on this one first. Another opportunity to try to be build a more consistent uh, and become more of a consistent type of team for Auburn tonight. Yeah, absolutely. They got a. Uh, I mean, the Indiana game was the most complete game that Auburn had played uh, to date. I think throughout the season, I think we can all agree on that. <clears throat> um, and I, I mean, I think even Bruce said it. He's like, we 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 played complete game, uh, and and uh, <clears throat> I mean, not even having Janai Broom involved. Uh, you know, obviously he had a tough matchup playing against seven footer Khalil Ware, um, and so I think that kind of hindered him a little bit. Um, and it just kind of set up a game where the guards were really the dominant, uh, and then Jalen Williams uh, played his style of play where he just kind of did a little bit of everything, and I think that opens up so much for Auburn. So I, I think he should continue to be aggressive, whether it's to be a distributor, whether it's to be you know always going up for the rebounds, whether it's to be scoring, looking for his shot. Um, that I think that version, the, the version of Jalen Williams that we saw on Sunday helps the team um, a lot, very, very much. Um, I feel like he's a, he's a catalyst. So I think that's something that could be uh, very key going down the stretch, seeing him maybe hopefully that just as a bit of a breakout game for him, see him be aggressive again and uh, and move forward. Uh, obviously in this game we're, we're probably looking to see Janai Broom get a little bit more active again uh, after having such a quiet game. But uh, you want to continue the efficient shooting the from three, the, the good – uh, looks that you were getting, uh, Aiden Holloway, uh, letting the game come to him instead of kind of hoisting up shots every time. Um, I loved the first set that Auburn ran out of just out of the uh, uh, out of I think it was out of the uh, tip. I, I think. Uh, where they were able to kind of set up uh, Aiden and, and just get him a good three, a good look off. And, I mean, he scored the first, I think, six points for Auburn. So uh, back-to-back threes, one in the corner, one in the top of the key. So uh, plenty of opportunity for him. And, and then everybody else just kind of fill in and play their role to the best of their abilities. And, and uh, you should have a pretty solid win for Auburn. Tom, what about you? What do you want to see tonight? Uh, <clears throat> need to see Janai Broom get better. I mean, I, I like the – the fact that they could shoot outside, but I you never want to see your all SEC guy get shut down like that to held only two points. So I need to see Janai get back into the swing of things along with the shooting. I mean, if you can get both of those going at the same time, then Auburn's going to be very very tough to beat. So I'd like to see that. Um, but the big thing, the the biggest thing is don't fall into the trap. That that's one thing that Bruce Pearl has talked about. This being a trap game, you're coming off of that big win. You have a, a huge game against Southern Cal uh, coming up this weekend, and so this one's tucked right in between that. And you've got to really focus and, and stay uh, stay focused on what you got going on and what's in front of you right now, and not looking ahead and not looking back. So uh, don't fall into the trap of this one. Get in there, take care of business. It's a game that Auburn should win very easily. Uh, they just need to get in there and take care of business and do their thing. Um, but definitely need to see Janai get 
get more involved and and not get taken out of the game like you did. See, I'm going to debate you a little bit there. I actually, I don't really yes. care that much about Broom's performance against a weaker team. I think that he already drubbed a couple right. of weaker teams. He had a huge performance against App State, had an even larger performance against Virginia Tech. I think it's way more relevant how he is against truly big guys. I, agree. I don't know UNCA's full roster, but games like this, if he plays well or not, it's not really going to dictate their opportunity to win what's going to dictate it is when they go up against bigger teams like tennessee who always has a more methodical pace a more half court minded uh, team you know those are the type of situations so i don't know if we can learn like broom can go back having 24 14 but that's not going to influence how i feel that he's going to need to perform or how he might perform against some of these bigger sec teams versus even if he has six points and nine rebounds and gets in foul trouble or something i'm not going to say that that's an indicator too because i I just saw him have two of the best games you can have basically in college basketball as a big guy uh, against app and against virginia tech so you know, I, I'm not too worried about him and, and what he ends up doing against the team that, you know, he should be able to move around, but we'll see. What I want to see out of this is that they need to be able to consistently make jump shots because that's something to where we've seen enough bad performances with them that I don't want to go right back to that. Right. Again, I know Broom will average out 15, 16 points, 9, 10 rebounds, and, and be a certain kind of kind of production standpoint over the course of a year. I, I feel that we that's what we should expect from him, and, and I think we'll get that. I also think we'll get poor free throw shooting, and that's not going to ever really change. But they need to prove that they are a good shooting team for me to for them to have the real ceiling for that to not just be a one-off against indiana that one performance alone knocked them up three full percentage points in three point they were 29.5 or six coming in the game they're now 32.4 as a team but even that is still in the low 200s in college basketball so like that is still not a good number so they need to be stacking they don't have to shoot 50 percent from three but against unc Asheville. You know, talk. I talked about okay. Broom has the opportunity to get his. If he does, that doesn't prove it to me against big schools. But if he doesn't, you know what? Again, I don't think anything's wrong. Shooting wise, you can generate plenty of open looks against UNC Asheville. And if they're not making those open looks, then that's going to be a little concerning because at this point, what they're eight games in and they're six and two, they've had about three or four really poor shooting nights. They they had two in a row, obviously, against Tech and against App State. If they go right back to shooting the ball poorly, that's something that's going to be a little more worrisome uh, because, again, overall, through eight games, they don't rank that well. And even though the clear ceiling is there, it's still a make or miss sport and you can generate all the open looks you want and feel a certain way about a guy's ability. But unless they're actually going in on a consistent basis, like it's not going to actually help you. So uh, I I do want to see the team shoot well again. And I know that's such an elementary thing, but when you're playing the UNC Ashles of the world and yes, they might win their league and and go back to the tournament as a, a smaller conference team, when you're playing them, when you're playing Penn a little bit later, when you're playing Alabama State in a week or two, like you're not going to be able to compare a lot of things about those teams that what you'll see in the SEC. But one thing that can show up, no matter who it is against, 
is the shooting because you the, if you're open against Alabama State, that's the same thing as being open against Arkansas. Like an open shot's an open shot, and and they need to make those. So I I, I definitely want to see that against UNC Asheville tonight. Again, this is a neutral floor. I would be stunned if it was anything more anything other than 90-10 Auburn uh, fans. I mean, there, there's just not a lot of UNC Asheville fans Yeah, it's quote-unquote neutral. Yeah, again, yeah. it is neutral in slightly location. I mean, I don't think that Huntsville's that far from Asheville, North Carolina, to be fair. I think that it is pretty even in terms of distance. However, again, I can tell you there are not as many UNC Asheville fans <laughs> as there are Auburn fans. I know that's going to be really earth-shattering news for everybody to, to digest, but it's going to feel like a home game is what I'm saying. The only thing is it will not have a bunch of Neville Arena uh, imaging on it, is that, but it will end up being pretty much all orange and blue. And so I'm not too worried about this game from any sort of competitive standpoint. But, again, if you don't hit shots and you're getting frustrated and – you're, you know, you're not, you're looking like you, you were more of a one-off for the Indiana game. Like I want the I want the Virginia Tech and the App State games to look more like like it, that was the exception to the rule. I don't want the really good shooting games to be the exception to the rule. So uh, I think that part of it's important for sure. Individually, got a few minutes left in the hour. Individually, uh, if I were to target somebody along that same line, I want to see if someone's going to shoot well. I would like to see Chad Baker Mazzara continue to hit a couple outside shots. He has been really good inside the arc this year, shooting great from the foul line. He's getting to the rim way more than I thought he would, but his three ball has struggled. He did hit one against Indiana. And then uh, more Denver Jones, too. Uh, Denver Jones started to get it going a little bit. I just think he's not shooting a lot. His percentage is fine. I think he's about 37% from three, which you would take that. Uh, he seems to shoot a little bit more. Right. You just need you need to find a, a more few volume. more ways to get some looks uh, because he ended up having a very active first half against Indiana and then didn't really do anything in the second half. I think he ended up with 12 points, which, again, if he averaged 12 or 13 a game, I'm fine with that. that, that, that that's going to totally work. Totally fine with that. Right, as long as it's efficient. So, you know, that that's not the complaint there. But, again, he's another one of those guys where I'm like, okay, he needs to stack good shooting performances, even if that's just three of five. Uh, from three or something like that, or or you know four of seven from the field, two of four from three. Even if it's something like that, it's not some huge number, but it would get you in double figures, and it would again uh, stack the performances and positive nature of uh, of shooting well. Any individual guys? So I know uh, Tom does want to see Broom play well tonight. Any individual guys for you, Cam, that you want to have a, a good game tonight? Uh, I I want to see uh, I I want to see Jalen Williams continue to be aggressive, continue to play the way that he was playing. I think, like I said, I think that just opens up so much more for the for everybody in general. Um, I think it allows you know other players to play their certain type of game because I just think he's a little bit of a do it all type of player. I think that's just kind of what his role is, um, and when he's aggressive and when he's just. When he is in the offense and a an active part of the offense, I think it helps everything. Okay, I, I do. I think it helps everything very much. Yeah, and obviously he was awesome this last weekend uh, for sure. Uh, yeah, again, I, I, I guess I kind of listed mine there with Chad Baker, Mazzara, Denver Jones. I uh, love to get Chaney Johnson back involved. He was in a lot of foul trouble 
uh, against Indiana. I believe he committed four fouls in like a seven-minute stretch of playing time. Uh, yeah, four fouls in six minutes, 41 seconds. So he really did not have an opportunity to get, get going at all. Uh, so want him in the game and able to give you something there. Yeah, I, I will also second Denver Jones, uh, a guy that uh, a lot of hype on him coming into the season, and he just had not been re- doing much of anything. Uh, and then he had the really good game there against Indiana. So you want to you want to see that keep going. A guy that you know comes in with a lot of attention on him, and and you're expecting a lot out of him, and for him to not live up to that hype through the first little bit, you want to definitely see that see the big play continue yeah. from him. The good news is I think it's in there. I, I did yeah. just look at the number. He is shooting 38 percent from three this year. Right. You just need a little bit more volume, and and he is only also shooting 38 percent from the field. So he he's shooting the same percentage from two and three, and that is not normal. So you got to find a way to get a look or two inside the three point line. But yeah, just eight points a game. Figured he'd be in double figures this year, and, and still think he can. I mean, it's still early, but uh, need a little bit more volume out of him. Uh, but again, you've got so many great options because you've got, I believe, eight players averaging at least seven a game. So uh, you've got eight legitimate scoring options on a night-to-night basis. So, so that part of it is is pretty solid. Also, want to note as we go to this end of our timeout, Auburn coming into the polls this week. They are not ranked, but they are up to 29th. They were not receiving votes prior to Indiana week. But uh, if you go through all the vote totals, they're technically 29th this week. So you beat UNCA uh, convincingly, then you beat USC on Sunday if you do that. May not be top 25, might need a little help, but certainly Auburn is edging their way towards the top 25. We are out of time for hour number one, but stay tuned. More of your phone calls coming up in hour number two, as well as some more. Uh, a little bit uh, more football for you, a little NFL. And again, Joe Bartle coming up at 515 of Rotowire. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Cam Berry with you here 
on this Wednesday afternoon. And to start hour number two, we're going to head back to the orthopedic clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show, Matt from Phoenix City. Matt is with us. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing great. I hope you guys are too. Yes, sir. Um, so just to piggyback off your your earlier conversation, I'm going to go in a different direction uh, from what I heard. Right, I just picked up the tail end, I think, of the conversation. Um, I want to see K.D. Johnson play at the level that he played at against Indiana, but I want to see him do it consistently. Um, KD has been a roller coaster since he has been at Auburn, and it would be fantastic if he could become a consistent um, a consistent score, not just in bursts, not just, you know, seven points a night, but he scored them all in three minutes. Um, a consistent score and i want to see aiden holloway taking good shots tonight sure i think if we i think i think you're going to get you know janai is going to give you what janai gives you um i still haven't figured out i haven't figured out some of the newcomers uh baker mazar and saney johnson and they're they're still a question mark for me i don't know if they're still kind of finding their place um, maybe coaches are still trying to figure out where they fit. Um, but, you know, Jalen Williams is going to play hard, no doubt. Um, but I really want to see Katie Johnson become a consistent scorer. You know he's going to play defense. You know he's going to give you everything he's got. You know he's probably going to get a tech every two games. But I want him to be a consistent scorer because I feel like that takes a little bit of pressure off of Aiden Williams where he doesn't feel like he has to take those forced three-point shots. Um, But I do want to see him take good shots tonight, not contested shots, um, not the crazy uh, jump man, um, I think I got fouled, I'm falling back threes, but, but good, solid shots. Sure. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's something that is going to be uh, very important to monitor throughout the year because I think Holloway, so far for me, falls under the category of guys that if they take good quality shots, they're going to shoot a good percentage, but if they don't, then their percentage is going to wane. And right now, he's only at thir- – uh, I think he's at 39% from three, but he's at 30% from two, which is interesting this year. He has been very – Uh, rough inside of a three-point shot, but he's been able to get some of those clean three-point looks. With KD, you know, I I think – look, I I want that too. However (laughs) – I just don't think that's the type of player he is. I think he is who he is at this point, and I don't think that they're ever going to get seven straight consistently good performances out of him. I just think that that is – kind of this sporadic nature and, and that energy is is obviously always brought every night and they do really thrive off that energy but uh, you know he has just he's another guy by the way shot selection wise I mean he takes a very tough type of three every single game and he does. Uh, Katie uh, and, and and you know I, I think that with what he's able to do what he's being asked to do 
I think that's why it's been so relevant of what they added this year because last year they really, really, really had to have a good KD Johnson offense. And when they didn't get it, it hurt them a lot. But this year, especially if they can get Denver Jones going, I think that they have enough to where it's not always vital that he does give you off offense. But oh look, I certainly we all we all want that. I just think at this point he's a known commodity and we're just not ever gonna see the consistency that we want to see. You're right. I'm afraid you're right. Um but for God's sake, this last thing we'll say, for God's sake, maybe we'll just make free throws. Yeah. Yes, and and hey, they did that great against Indiana. And I have to be fair, outside of Broom and Cardwell, I think this is a really good foul shooting team. I think the problem is Broom is all is in general always going to be taking free throws. If he made his free throws, he'd probably be one of the leading scorers in the nation. Sure, I mean he misses three or four points a game off of it for sure. Easily. All right, y'all have a good night. Um, it's time to hit job number two, and then and then check out this game. Yes, sir. I hope the work goes well for you, Matt. All right, thanks. That is Matt from Phoenix City joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Appreciate Matt for calling in right there. Uh, yeah, no, I again, I, I think that the KD, I'll call it for alliteration, the KD conundrum has always been, can you get a 40 to 45% night out of him from the floor six straight right. nights? And unfortunately, with the energy and, and just spastic nature of it sometimes, there's just going to be some nights where he just kind of throws exactly. it up yeah. and it's not going to go in because it's really tough. I mean, he hit the the. I don't know if he takes. I know this is going to be a very arbitrary stat that I'm going to make up on the fly. Out of every ten threes he takes, I think only two of them are actually good shots. Yeah. Like I think of the ten, six of them are step back threes. Yeah. yeah. And then there's like two contested threes, yep. and then there'll be a couple actual open threes for the year. From the three-point line, by the way. So he's shooting 86% from the foul line. So that's nice. Two free throws a game. Okay, It speaks into the ability to be able to shoot when standing still. However, from the three-point line, 21.7%. And he is shooting nearly three threes a game. That's rough. You know, about 21, 22 threes this year. So that a lot of it – and I I came to this conclusion the second I went to college, by the way. My my freshman year of college – was was Simeon Bowers still on the team? And I would get to the games uh, erroneously early. You didn't have to back then, even though it was the first year. My first year of college was Bruce Pearl's first year. If you want, if you want that math to align, that's what it was. I never had to sit through Barbie, thank God. Uh, and so, watching, getting there about an hour before games, as soon as the student section would open, I'd see all these guys warm up. And watching Simeon Bowers in warm-ups, if anyone ever watched him and, and would like to prove me wrong, go for it. But I swear to you, in warm-ups, the dude was hitting 35 to 40% of his threes. Like, <laughs> I, pr- I promise you, he was hitting a very respectable percentage of threes. And then he'd get in the game, and it's a clank fest. Yeah. And, and, there's, and everything that went with Simeon Bowers, there was some unbelievable good, and then there was the what in the hell bad. I mean, and everything in between. And that's just kind of how the team had to be. Wasn't a good team. Wasn't a good team for a couple of years for Bruce Pearl. But it, it, was, it was certainly something. And with Bowers, he, that taught me that almost every single guy in college basketball 
could shoot 35 oh, yeah. to 40% yes. from three. I can agree to that. However, <laughs> a lot of them, when the lights turn on and when the shots get a little contested, they can't. it just falls way off a cliff. And so Katie Johnson standstill shooting, jump shooting, is going to be one of those guys that in an open gym is going to hit 40 to 50% of his threes. And you're going to say to yourself, a good shooter's in there. And he shoots the foul shot well. And I just told you he's in the 80s this year. I think he was in 70s in previous years. Like, there's something in there. But then when he's taking step-back threes that are contested, your percentage is going to go exponentially down. And he has always had that shot in him. And and, and so when you take that kind of shot, you might be – even if you're better than the average person, that that is a very low-percentage shot. Like, that inherently is like a 15 or 20% shot to take a step-back contested three. Not even an open, you created space and shot a step-back three. Like, a contested, it's still contested step-back three. That is a very low percentage shot. And so, that is a lot of what affects his percentage. And then to Matt's point, talking about Aiden Hallway. Aiden Hallway this year, I think it's going to be worth noting almost every single game, the types of threes he takes. If he takes 20, I, I almost would give you a dis, distance with him. If he takes a 24 foot three, you're going to be fine. He's going to shoot a good percentage. If he takes a 23 or 24 foot three, if he takes a 30 foot three, that's when they're going to have an issue because, yeah, he might be able to make more 30 footers than the average person. And I know Harper was a lot like that. Jared Harper hit a lot of 30 foot threes. But if you take so many of them, it's still a low percentage shot. Right. Like, even in the NBA, Steph Curry or Damian Lillard, like, Steph Curry's the greatest shooter of all time. He's not going to be 50% on three point 32 foot shots. He might be 40, and that's what makes him awesome. But if the absolute best at it is shooting 35 to 40% at the NBA level from 30 plus feet, what realistically is a college guy going to shoot from 30 feet? It ain't going to be 35 or 40%. And so my deal with Holloway is the only time you should be taking a 30-footer is if there's the end of the shot clock or if you've already hit two or three in a row. Not you've hit two of six that day or not if you just hit one. You would have to hit multiple threes. That's a true heat check. Any 30-footer is a heat check, especially at the college level. And so – the only time he should be taking those out of absolute necessity, again, end of shot clock, or if he's hit multiple threes, proving that it is time for a heat check. Because a lot of guys, and again, I put KD back in this conversation, KD will hit one because he'll finally get a good look, be in rhythm, be step into it instead of step back. And then he'll think the next one is inherently a heat check. And it does not have to be. Just because you hit one does not mean you need to find the toughest version of a three-pointer that you think you can make and then take that next three. That, that's, that's not even how a heat check should work. A heat check is you hit two or three, and then you figure out if just everything you're going to throw up goes in. Not you hit one. Right. A lot of people can hit one. So that that's the issue with the team, and that's kind of always issues with teams that shoot a lot of threes is – still define what's a good three and a bad three. And you'll find that even with good three-point shooting teams, there's not necessarily a whole other world of threes that they can hit. It's that they get open more, and then they just hit those open threes, and they don't take a lot of dumb threes. 
There are certain guys that can take really dumb threes and make a few of them, but they still know when to take them. And that that's what's going to be worth monitoring Holloway all season long. And I think that's also the reason why I kind of know what Katie Johnson is at this point, is that he's going to take one or two just ridiculously tough threes a game, and that's going to kill his percentage. And so uh, that, is a, that is good stuff from Matt. There are so many guys that can uh, launch threes on this team that that's also why I said the good news is I don't think it's as, as important to get Katie Johnson to score 10 or 12 game this year as it was last year because you have other hopes to score. Like everyone moved down one to two places in this rotation off last year. The reason I say that is because you might not get the same raw numbers that you got with Wendell Green Jr., but Aiden Hallway is a very fair replacement for Wendell Green Jr. and what you expect out of him. You still have Jalen Williams and Janai Broom. And so what you lost off last year's team was Alan Flanagan. Now, Flanagan's playing great at Ole Miss. Mentioned that the other day with, uh, with Tom. But in that role, he had not perfected that role. He had not perfected the, the art of being like the fourth option, third, fourth, fifth option, depending on the night. And he was not best in that environment. Well, that's what Chad Baker Mazar is working on right now, and that's kind of what Denver Jones is trying to work on to figure out, is how can you be efficient as the fourth best player? And Baker Mazara, I know I talked about him not shooting the three well this year, and that's that's correct so far. Again, he's 26%, but from the field, he's 44%. He's shooting 55% on his twos. And so he's giving you a certain level of efficiency right there. He's shooting foul shots well. He's doing fine in that fourth role. And then you have Denver Jones. Well, here's the other secret. Last year's version of Trey Donaldson is not as good as this year's version of Trey Donaldson. So last year, you were kind of needing Katie Johnson at times to be backup point guard. Well, now Trey Donaldson is always backup point guard. He is good enough to be that. He is a better version of himself this year. So you're not ever really asking for a time. Well, really need something out of KD because Trey's just not playing. Well, Trey's always playing. And will he give you 12 every night? No, not necessarily. But he can influence the game offensively in every game that he plays now, which is not necessarily the case last year. So for those reasons, KD, it's still great to have it. I mean, obviously, I mean, you're not going to decline shooting a good percentage, getting you 10, 12 points on top of the energy that he brings. But it does not just handicap this team if he's going to go one for six. I, I think there was a game earlier this year he did go, in fact, one for six, and they scored 80-something points. Right. Uh, so that's kind of my assessment of the – or I guess what is needed out of those guys. That is obviously apt to change throughout the year. But I think they've got one or two extra options that are viable to them this year, and that's why they're a better offensive team right there. Even even with not shooting a whole lot better so far for the totality of the season, they are statistically way better from a points perspective. Some of that's competition. You get an SEC play, you'll have lower-scoring games. But we had a, a situation last year. Auburn had that non-conference game. What was it? I, I forgot it again. I brought it up earlier this year where it was 40-something to forty something, uh, oh, I know the ten. The, oh, the north uh, was it Northwestern, Northwestern. and that yeah. was last yes, year, right? That was last uh, year. Yeah. So the they duplicated game. that in the Tennessee game, but they had a non-conference game against the a team that they were in the forties against. Yeah, they had have now had a non-conference game, two big non-conference games against Baylor, where they scored in the eighty or so, and Indiana scored one hundred and four. 
So even though the percentage is not that much better from three, way more ways of doing it. Yeah. And so anything you – I know I just went on and oh, on and on, but hey, anything yeah. you like that. I don't think I have anything. I think you hit every nail on the head, Ryan. <laughs> I, I think you did. Uh, again, this thing, again, that's why it excites me, but it's yeah. also why the last element of it is to more consistently yes. hit jumper. Because if they're going to end up the same percentage last year, they'll still be better because, like I said, they have more well, ways of yeah, doing it. More ways. But the ceiling of your team in basketball – gets greatly lowered when you can't hit jump shots. It just does. That's the way the game's played now, and you can have a Jani Broom, and that's great. But this team, the way it's structured, the way Bruce Pearl runs offense, the way college basketball is, and even I mean, even the teams like Purdue, like have Zach Eady, even Kentucky when they had Chibwe, Carolina when they had Baycott. Carolina had had a perfectly good Armando Baycott, who was a top five to ten center in the sport last year. You know how Carolina did? Yeah, North Carolina. They didn't make the tournament. didn't matter that Baycott was good down low. They couldn't shoot. It was one of the worst teams statistically in North Carolina history in shooting threes. And that's why they didn't make the tournament. Could, couldn't rely on the outside game. They have Baycott again this year. They're number nine in the country right now. We'll see if it lasts. But scored 100 on Tennessee. Same, same guy down low. But different right. guys in the perimeter. Yeah. And so that's why with Auburn, it's like, well, you have different guys in the perimeter now. Yeah. And you have more ways of those guys scoring. I agree. So baseline, you're already a little better because you got more ways of doing it. But then the ceiling is way higher because those same guys are more capable from the perimeter. So there's a nice rundown of, again, the state of Auburn basketball. 100%. And uh, hoping for another good performance tonight against UNC Asheville. Hoping that they JJ's from there. Uh, yeah, uh, out of uh, <laughs> J- JJ, who still attended Auburn, but uh, had had that big offer to go to UNCA, being a Nashville native. But uh, glad he went to Auburn. And uh, that's who the Tigers will play tonight in Huntsville in the Rocket City, again against UNC Asheville. We're going to take our next time out. We will move back into the sport of football on the other side of this timeout. Go over a couple more items. Uh, both in the college world and in the professional world. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Now, back to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday, halfway through the show for today, which means we're halfway through the week of Sports yeah. Call. Uh, some of the f- funny things, and I will label them as funny, that happen now with the portal in college athletics is a situation like Notre Dame's Drew Pine. Or Arizona State's true pine, whichever one you prefer. And, here, and here's why. You, you can pick and choose what he is to you. Former Notre Dame and Arizona State quarterback Drew Pine tells ESPN he's enrolling back at Notre Dame in January for the spring semester to earn his degree in American Studies and minor in business economics. 
He will not play football at Notre Dame this spring and plans to graduate in May. So graduation, uh, Pine's graduation with completion of the 15 needed credits will allow him to become a graduate transfer. He'll then join a new program to play college football in June. He's expected to have three years of eligibility. So let me recap that. Drew Pine came in at quarterback for Notre Dame two years ago after Tyler Buckner was not good. Then he transferred to Arizona State when Sam Hartman was coming into Notre Dame. He's now going back to Notre Dame just for class, for a semester, completing credits so that he can be a grad transfer and transfer again. And he will still somehow have three years of eligibility. What? <laughs> oh, man. I don't understand. Yeah. that That is, again, how you end up with kids that are in school for six years or, or you feel like you heard about them for half your life. That's how. That's how that happens because he's been able to start at an institution, go to another institution, play football, go back to original institution to complete class so that he can transfer to another institution and theoretically still end up spending more time at the future institution than either of his first two institutions. It is a lot. <laughs> that is the nature of college athletics now. If you were if you were coming up, Tom, fun we don't always do these hypotheticals. No. If you were a college athlete, what would you be more interested in? Would you be more interested in being able to go to multiple schools at some point? And I know that's not always the goal of all these kids, but again, you did start at this school, so he could have definitely stayed. Is it more valuable to try to go end up at a couple different places that give you different experiences? Would you want to go to one big school, even if you sat there? Like what would, what would be your mindset coming up? trying to play college football? Uh, I mean, I would want the most playing time. Okay. I mean, so I, would I, you I'm start not, a big school, start small, and try to work your way up? I or? mean, I'd try to go to big school and, and start, and if it didn't work out, then i go to another big school. How long would you give it? Give it a year? Uh, I, two? I'd give it two, at least two. Okay. I mean, because you have to understand after a year, I mean, unless you are just – unless you are the end-all, be-all, I mean – Getting playing time as a true freshman, I guess it depends on the position. Um, you know, now if you're a quarterback, if you're a skill, if you're a skill guy, um, it, well, I shouldn't say that. If you're a quarterback, it's hard to get true playing time as a true freshman just because there's one. I mean, you've got one starting quarterback. Now, if you're a wide receiver, you might be a little bit better off because there's going to be multiple wide receivers. Running back, kind of if you you know. But if you're, you know, a true freshman, you have other time, other opportunities to play in other positions because there's multiple on the field. So, um, I would at least give it to you know the chances of getting on there as a true freshman are, are limited, and so hopefully by sophomore you're playing. But if you're still not seeing that, and you see what's in front of you, and the recruiting in front of you, and things like that, then you might have to start looking elsewhere. But you know, my thing is, I, I it's playing time. I, I mean, I, I'm doing it for the play. I'm doing it to play the game, not. To sit on the bench and well, okay. get and get rings and not do anything for it. I I want to be on the field contributing. Let me give you this situation, and I don't know necessarily if it works like this because again with these NIL promises, I don't know if it's dependent upon one year per year, four years. I I don't know exactly, but let's say you were going to make more money to ride someone's bench than you were to transfer to the lower tier school and play. So say, cause say you had like a five hundred thousand dollar NIL agreement with, I, I'm going to name a generic big school, Florida. 
Right. And that well, for whatever it was five hundred thousand each year. I don't know. Again, I don't I don't know the parameters of all this, but five hundred thousand each year was the commitment. And you're not playing, but you're still getting that. Whereas let's say yeah, Tulane says, We'll give you a hundred thousand to be our starter. Who says no? Do you say no? Oh boy. Yes. See, I, I, that's tough. I mean, I, I, I would, I would lean more towards Florida because I'm more of the big time. I, sure. I want to, I want to play the big time. But again, you ain't gonna play. You're third string, not playing. But, but again, I, 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 don't, but I at least give it, a, yeah. at least give sure. it, a, at least give it a little bit of time. Right. But I'm saying you're going into your junior year. Okay, you oh, you've oh, complete, you, uh, you've completed two years. I missed that part. You've completed two years. Then I'm so going to Tulane. Okay. No, yeah, yeah. For, even though it's less money. Yeah, well, I mean, okay. yeah, if I get a chance to play. Okay. okay. Sure. I mean, because by that time, by junior year, and especially also, especially if I'm trying to get to the next level, if that's a dream, I got to be able to play. If I, if I want to get there, I'm not putting any tape out there if I'm sitting on the bench. And I might be able to go and prove something, at least just in the two years if I'm at Tulane. I might be able to prove something to some scouts and maybe get picked yeah. up. Hey, that's a, I mean that's the way to go. Why not? I mean, uh, you, sometimes hey, that's what you got to yeah, do. Same question, you can. They'll find you. So I I I, uh, I think they're I mean, not going to find you sitting on the bench. No, they will not find <laughs> you. Sit- exactly. Good. That, exactly what I was about to say, Tom. They won't find you sitting on the bench. So anywhere you can put some tape down, get on the field. Um, they'll they'll find you. The the you know if you're trying to get to that next level. The NFL, whatever, whatever, they'll they will find you. I gotta say this: I, I, you just mentioned Drew Pine. It's yeah. kind of like going away from this uh, to tell you how you know how long Drew Pine has been around the college game. We actually featured him on Sports Call back years ago when he was in high school. Really? Yes. Um, at SEC Media Days, uh, so one of his high school coaches up in New Canaan, Connecticut, is Jason Miska who was an Auburn alum, played football here uh, under Bowden. And uh, they were in Birmingham for 7-on-7. And Miska and this group of kids were coming down the hallway there in Hoover, saw the table table set up with the Auburn stuff. And so Miska gets to talking to us, and he introduces us to this big-time quarterback that they had there at New Canaan that was going to be a big-time star. And at that time, he was looking at Auburn, and he was looking all over. I think he's either a junior or a senior. And Miska was telling us this kid right here is going to be one to watch out for. He, he's he's going to be playing college ball somewhere. Watch out for him. And we had a conversation with him, and we talked about it on the radio and everything. That was Drew Pine. Wow, <laughs> that was a while ago then. Yeah, yeah. I, that's what can happen though. You get a lot of a lot of opportunities now, a lot of seasons uh, for sure. If it if the system works the right way for you. Let's take another phone call on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show, Anthony from Auburn. Anthony is with us. Anthony, how are you today? I'm doing good. And you guys? Doing well. I want to join in on that conversation there. You say uh, now three years, right? You're a junior, right? Uh, yes. Have you been red-shirted? Uh, let's say no. Uh, you ain't been red-shirted. So that means, that means you got one year left then, right? No, I'm. Uh, you'd ha- you still have two. Still have two. I'm saying okay. going into your junior year. Okay. Well, if you look at it this way, uh, five hundred thousand dollars and then versus one hundred thousand dollars, right? Yeah. 
okay, well, if you collected $500,000 the first three years, if you've taken care of it, invested it or whatnot, and, and done all the right things with it, then uh, what about any chance he graduating? Uh, let's say no, not yet. I mean, what I'm saying is any chance he has the academic intelligence to graduate is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Well, let's, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I would say after three years, uh, if you feel like that, uh, if you've done what I said, taking care of your money, invested it wisely, and it's making money for you for his long-term uh, investments and whatnot, and setting your future up, and uh, you're certainly uh, in a position to graduate as well, then I would say, uh, yeah, go ahead and make the move and spend the last two years down there playing if you're hoping to go to the uh, NFL or whatnot or having any kind of shot of a trial and accept the uh, lower money as $100,000 because you've already invested the uh, $500,000 wisely for three years each. So, uh, you know, your investments are making income, whether it be ETF or some kind of stock or a 500 uh, in, uh, S&P index or something like that or whatnot, or Vanguard funds or whatever. So, uh, yeah, I say go ahead and go for it. But if that ain't the case, if there's no chance of you graduating uh, and you're just going to have to work a regular job the rest of your life, then I would say you better stay there the, the whole five years and continue to collect that $500,000 each year. Okay. Yeah, no, that that's fair. I think that... Uh I, I think that's what we see more, more times than not. That, that's why I went along that line of thinking. I think we see guys that are getting pretty big NIL promises from big schools. They they don't play their first year or two uh, in college, and then that's when they transfer, and then they transfer to, you know, it, sometimes it's still another Power Five. Oftentimes it is, but sometimes it is a lower level. And we see that kind of transfer because there's a lot of guys right now, even a school like Georgia, who is awesome. And a lot of their backups will still go to other big schools like Georgia's got like 16 or 17 guys in the portal right now, which is, again, a large number. Auburn's got nine. But again, a lot of those guys would not factor in the next year's team. Uh, And so I think that everyone is pretty much in agreement here that, yeah, I think most most of the time the option would be to transfer to the lower level school and make sure you get to play if you've already gotten some of that money. Yeah, I mean, you can look at it like this now. You say, well, okay, if you really see, okay, I'm not getting the playing time here at, at Florida, and it don't look like I'm going to be able to pan out for the SEC player or whatnot, now I can go down here to uh, satisfy my ego and go to a, a lower-tier school and play and be the darling and all that kind of stuff, but there's no chance of me going pro. Uh, I don't have the academics here to graduate, but while I'm getting this money, perhaps go ahead and buy a home and it's paid for. Uh, go ahead and invest my money where it'll set me up for the future. And then, you know, maybe the, the average knucklehead can say, well, you know what, I'm going to open a gym either in my hometown or even a college town where there's plenty of people, and I can run this gym for the rest of my life. It bring me a good income in every month to feed me and my family. I can live a decent lifestyle and not be really wanting uh, or hurting for anything from a financial standpoint, even though I don't have the very best education. Uh you know, I can bring somebody in and show me how to set up the billing uh, process on a computer or whatnot, and I can do that, and I can be happy for the rest of my life. So, I mean, there's different ways of looking at how you want to do that thing. Yeah, no, I absolutely. I, again, I think that's I – was, I was curious to see if anyone would answer differently, but, again, you and Tom and I think Cam all agree, and, and I think that's the way that it happens a lot of times in, in the portal for sure. Anthony, I do have a question for you. I know it's a l- little bit of a different topic. Uh, what about what time period were you at Jacksonville State, if you don't mind? I was there in uh, 
89 through 92 with Coach when Coach Burgess was there, when everything was at his very best. Uh, I found out the news this morning. Yes, sir. That's what I was going to get at. Bittersweet day. I mean, you know, uh, it was early in the morning when I found it out, and, and it shocked me and whatnot. But, you know, he was tough as nails. You know, he'd tell you, you know, we're going to go uh, put this ball between the white chalk lines, and we ain't worried about this and that. I mean, you know, we're going to go out there and go jaw to jaw, toe to toe, and you go ahead and knock the stew out of somebody, and you go to the whistle blows. And when it's over with, we're going to get on that Jacksonville State University bus. We're going to give them the finger, and we're going to eat that uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. And we're gonna, that's what we're going to do every week because that's the budget allows us to do. And I'm going to tell you all something. Y'all are going to laugh at this. Now, y'all ain't going to believe what pre diem money was for meals. If uh, if you didn't have a scheduled team meal when you went on the road and, and you just gave you pre diem money to go in the mall or eat or whatnot, do you guys want to take a guess? And don't laugh before I tell you what the what the money was at that time. Oh, uh, take a guess of that. Oh, in the early 90s. Oh. To early I wanna, 90s? I would say like $5. Five? I go like it seven. Do- it was seven dollars. They give you two. They give you two fives and, and two ones. Stapled to it every time you got <laughs> off the bus. Assistant coaches, uh, uh, student coaches, or whatnot, uh, be standing uh, there in the parking lot, and, and they hand everybody that every time you went to eat. If it wasn't a scheduled team meal, and I mean, I don't know what to get today though, but that just goes to show you how times have changed. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's crazy, man. But yeah, no, I didn't know if you had any thoughts on on. Uh, Coach Burgess passing away, and I knew that you, you had been at JSU. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's been a tough day. You know, I I had thought about when I called, I was going to mention it, but I, you know, then I said, well, no, I probably ain't going to mention it unless they say something. But since y'all did, I'm glad you did. I mean, he was a good guy. He always pushed you as far as everything he can get out of you. He always did that. And you know, uh, he'd always say a lot of times, you know, people uh, want to put on shorts and go practice like sisters or whatnot, but we're not going to put on in shorts. The only time you're going to put on in shorts because the mandate by the NCAA those three days. Other than that, you're going to be in full gear all the time, and that's what it was all the time. And I remember, you know, since we're talking now, um, my freshman year that we had a tight end, and I'm not going to call his name. I don't embarrass anybody, but um, we were in the playoffs, getting ready to play for the national championship and whatnot. And it, up there in North Alabama, you get more ice and more snow and cold weather than any other part of the state. And it was cold that day we practiced, and uh, he had on a pair of spandex, and they were red. And birds, I mean, the offense kept messing up or something, and birds just went off and started saying a whole lot of things you can't say on the radio. <laughs> and at the end of practice, he said, I don't want to hear no more. He was telling the offensive coordinator, uh, run this play again. It better be perfect the first time you run it. And then he said, uh, that sissy or whoever wearing those uh, red stockings, he called them, I don't want to see those red stockings out here no more in my football uniform ever again. <laughs> And uh, nobody said anything, nobody laughed, nobody made fun of him because we knew Burgess meant business. And uh, that guy never wore those red stockings, that, the spandex, the Burgess called red stockings ever again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. So, I mean, it was a good times up there. I, I tell you, you know, uh, the, their motto is the friendliest campus in the South, and it is exactly that. If you get a chance, go visit. But, guys, I appreciate it. I'm going to get in here and get me a shower and go to work, and I'll talk to you all later. Sounds good, Anthony. Appreciate that All phone right, call. Thanks, guys. Yes, sir. That's Anthony from Auburn joining us on the orthopedic clinic phone line there. And, I, again, I knew that Anthony had been at JSU, and uh, he'd talked about the Gamecocks in recent weeks. And, of course, they're going bowling here in a few days and that if you know that field that is called Burgess Snowfield so I, I did get the opportunity to go up there back uh, around 2015 and obviously they've had a, a nice rise through college sports being from Division 2 then getting the FCS and getting the FBS so uh, glad Anthony called in and talked a little bit about that but yeah if you missed the news uh, former Auburn fullback and then again Jacksonville State head coach Bill Burgess uh, passed away today uh, at the age of uh, 82 and of course again was a a staple in the football community in the state of Alabama. and coached some high school ball in the state back in the 70s and 80s and then uh, was very successful with Jacksonville State as a head football coach. We're going to take our next time out of Sports Call right now when we come back. 
more, if you want to give us a call on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Sports Call returns after this. Attention, please. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is. What? My name is. My name is. Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday edition of the program. Again, coming up tomorrow, a little bit of a shortened show, about an hour and a half, hour 45 show uh, before we have Beauregard High School basketball on our airwaves. And again, coming up later today at 5.15, Joe Bartle of Rotowire joining us to talk about fantasy football and the NFL so we'll talk a little NFL in hour number three. Before we end this hour, though, I do want to have another college football topic. Again, I mentioned it a little bit earlier. But coming up in about an hour, hour and a half on the SEC Network is going to be the reveal of the 2024 SEC schedule. Now, we already know the opponents. We just do not know the order. Now, there were some leaks from some other schools that gave us some clues on certain games and that sort of thing, particularly Georgia's schedule leaked and most of Alabama's leaked. Uh, but here's what we know from Auburn so far. There are five date times. We go on FBS schedules. There are five date times announced, and these based off of non-conference contracts and then knowing what we know about the Iron Bowl and knowing what we know about Georgia's leak. So California will be the first game, I believe. November, uh, excuse me, September the 7th. It's going to be the first game. Then it is New Mexico on September the 14th. We know that the Georgia game should be October the 5th. So that's week five of the season. ULM will be November the 16th. And Alabama, the Iron Bowl, the last day of November on the 30th. Which means that if that is correct, 100% correct, there will be a conference game. The week for the Iron Bowl. And that is what's alleged to be happening with Alabama. It looks like they're going to have Oklahoma on the, the game before the Iron Bowl, which is very abnormal. And so doing things a little bit differently this year. So the seven opponents we do not have a scheduled date for, Auburn hosting Arkansas, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, and Vanderbilt, and having road trips to Kentucky and to Missouri. And again, so eight home games for Auburn. It's only four road games. That does happen from time to time. Nice. Based on what you got non-conference wise. And putting two and two together, 
with California and New Mexico being first, a couple SEC games on the road already scheduled, it would not shock me if uh, the first four or so games are going to end up at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Because if you're just reading between the lines here, you got a scheduled road game at the very end of the year, the 12th game, and the fifth game of the year. I don't think you're going to go six games in the middle there with only one road game. Right, right. So I, I would find it highly likely that Auburn starts the whole month of September at home before that right. road day. I again that's not that's not any reporting. That's my speculation. When you got Cal coming in this year. Yeah, Cal's the again, first week of the year, September seventh. Okay, that's the first that's Yeah. And then New Mexico September fourteenth. Right. Don't know the next two right. then at Georgia the fifth. And then you know at Alabama's last week right. of the year. So you got two more road games to place, which are Kentucky and Missouri, and then you got five more home games to place that are Arkansas, Oklahoma, Texas A and M, uh, Vanderbilt. I'm sorry, that was four more home games. So Arkansas, Oklahoma, Texas A and M, Vanderbilt to place. So you know, I, I think that uh, ultimately, and I and I, I will say this too, though there is one more non-conference game. Now that I'm actually thinking about this for a second there is one more non-conference game towards the end of the year uh maybe oh uh, yeah maybe because again it suppose normally towards the the three known non-conference games are cal new mexico ulm cal is the 7th of september new mexico is the 14th september and ulm according to this is november 16th which means there is going to be a game between ulm and alabama and i highly doubt they go back to back non-conference games that late in the year right they'll probably have another non-conference game in september so anything stand out to you guys or any time period you'd like to play oklahoma in particular uh anything about you know again like i said it looks like there will be an sec game uh right before alabama who you'd like that to be any thoughts there on, on what we might Pre- see tonight? Well, I mean, preferably you'd like that Vanderbilt game yeah, to be the, Vanderbilt, before. Yes, before Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think I'd prefer as well to play Oklahoma um, a little later in the season also. Maybe late October. Yeah, I, yeah, I was like mid, I, kind of a mid. I just feel like by then Auburn will, you know, have figured out their identity. That's why it's, you know, it stinks so much to have the Georgia game moved up as early as it is because, you know – the, it, well, I mean, you got to play at some point. No, you, for sure. Yeah. But you know, I, I preferred it when it was er, or later in the season. Okay, you did prefer it. Yeah, I, okay. I preferred it when it was later in the season. You know, now it's so early. Um, and Auburn did well this year, but I just felt like they weren't able to figure out. Uh, they, they, the identity is not as solid as as it is later in the season. So that would for sure. That can also go each it. way. I mean, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I I just feel like you know they've played kind of better later in the season. It's just it's weird now that you you know you're bringing Texas and Oklahoma in and just how much it just shuffles stuff around that. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to get a feel for exactly what you want or how you want it just because you just this is going to be new. Yep. Um. You know, I. Because Georgia has moved up so early, I would much rather play Oklahoma after Georgia. Yeah. Um, I, you know, because Georgia's still going to be good again next year. They're, they're not losing, you know, any, any luster off of them. They're still going to be good. You would prefer, you know, to not cupcakes, but you, you would prefer to at least kind of build yourself up to the Georgia game and then deal with what you have to after that. Because Oklahoma is going to be good. I mean, I, I don't think you want to I, I, that early in the season. I don't know that you really want to 
pressure luck already with Oklahoma coming in here and then have to turn around immediately and play Georgia. I'd much rather. Well, you know, Georgia is going to have to do that. They're going to play Bama. Oh, no, I and know. They're going to play Auburn. Oh, I know. And they got, uh, it's, it's interesting. That yeah. We'll see the full pieces of the puzzle. But yeah. Yeah, no, I, 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 I do think that Auburn would be a team that gets better throughout the year, but you can also argue with Oklahoma who who's going to end up being their quarterback because oh, yeah, they sure. lose Dylan Gabriel and they might have to be discovering things about themselves too. No. And sometimes, they, again, it could work either way. Uh, I think that for schedule balance, yeah, still Oklahoma late October right. or so would be. And now this is a year LSU is not on the schedule, correct? Correct. Yeah, right. again, the SEC opponents for Auburn uh, – Road trips to Georgia, Alabama, Kentucky, Missouri. Right. Home dates versus Arkansas, Oklahoma, Texas A and M, Vandy. Right. So that that's the no, that's the no, a, no, and no then, Mississippi schools. Yep. No uh, no Mississippi State or Ole Miss. No. Um, or LSU. Or else. Man, that's weird. Weird. I yeah. was literally thinking about that too because I'm or like, Arcan- Man. Arkansas. No, no Arkansas's on there. Oh, yeah. Arkansas. I was thinking Arkansas's about that too. I'm like, yeah, I gotta go. You know, Bobby Petrino will be walking the sidelines of Jordan Hare Stadium. Yep. Say that wow. sentence to scare a friend, and that's how the first hour or second hour will end yeah. of the program. Uh, again, I am looking forward to that uh, for sure tonight, and we will give you the full rundown of Auburn's 2024 schedule on tomorrow's show. But again, out of time for hour number two. Stay tuned. In hour number three, Joe Bartle of RotoWire will join us at 515. We'll talk a little NFL and fantasy football in the third hour. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, the Tiger Communications app, or if you're listening after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Certainly appreciate you, however you may be listening to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. few minutes here before we get to Joe Bartle of RotoWire to talk some NFL and some fantasy football. We've been talking to Joe all season long. Fantasy playoffs start this week. Uh, for some, for some, for some, hey, there's still action for the others. Still consolation yeah, brackets. Get to you know 
fight it out for eighth place yeah. and all that good stuff. But yay uh, me. <laughs> so we'll talk to Joe here in just a few minutes. We'll go ahead and warm up our conversation with Joe with uh, some NFL uh, discussion here as we move into the last four weeks of the NFL season coming up to NFL week 15 and again all these storylines in the NFL right now and just this massive humanity around uh, 500 in the league and how right now there are in the AFC at teams that either six or seven wins there are Denver Indianapolis Houston Pittsburgh Cincinnati and Buffalo that's six teams at seven and six in the AFC in the NFC six or seven win teams Minnesota Green Bay, Tampa Bay, Atlanta, New Orleans, Los Angeles, and Seattle. Most of those teams being at six and seven. There's a lot of mess to sort through in the National oh. Football League. Cam, do you have any good explanation for why half the league is 500? Because <laughs> it feels like that is more than – if you say that out loud, it doesn't seem weird. Oh, a lot of teams right. around 500. That makes sense. But I swear to you, it's not to this degree where we got – five six teams in each league at six seven wins i think injuries play a part um for sure with some of these teams uh and then there's other teams where i think coaching has a main effect on why some of these teams are where they where they are um i i feel that way about the falcons i feel that way about the saints um I mean, could really say the same thing about the Bucks in the NFC South. Those, I mean, all three of those teams, right? Um, but the Bucks look like they've kind of figured a little something out. Minnesota sitting at seven and six, they've kind of treaded water pretty well, making a quarterback switch now. But uh, I mean, the trade for Josh Dobbs ended up being fruitful. I'd say they were able to kind of move forward, um, and now they're they're moving on to Nick Mullins. So like, they're able to kind of. Tread water there, getting Justin Jefferson kind of reacclimated into the offense, losing him. They were still able to win some games, so they're still able to kind of figure things out as well. Um, and then, you know, looking at, you know, Pittsburgh, inconsistencies with quarterback play. Indianapolis, obviously, they felt like it was a lost season because Anthony Richardson got hurt. So you kind of look at that. Houston, just a young team, I feel like. But them being 7-6, and six, that's pretty decent, I would say. I think with Houston being 7-6, and six, I think they're happy with where they're at. Denver started off just horrid, but now they've seemed to have figured things out. Uh, I think they've won now five five uh well they 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 lost or now they're on a one game win streak so they 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 won recently but they had won about like like five in a row so they were on a good little streak the bills again that's another inconsistency but they have a lot of injuries on their defense you know they they kind of were staked on their defense their offense just ended up being a lot more high powered um you know got rid of their offensive coordinator because things weren't seeming to work there but uh and and promoted joe brady uh and i think that has has helped them a little bit but even still they they um they haven't you know done um it, they should be better than where they are in all honesty i think we can agree to that chargers you know they're they're a five win team i know you said seven and six and all these six and seven win teams but the chargers you felt like they should have been better but um you, you and you and i've kind of talked about it brandon staley exists so there's that um so yeah, I, I just think it has to do with I think it, I think the injury bug is pretty pretty rough this year, especially with the quarterbacks. Uh, it's been a lot of turnover with that, and then um, just inconsistencies with coaching and and not playing to the strength of of their team. I think that uh, plays a heavy part as well. 
Yeah, I mean, we already went through it even a couple weeks ago, and the list continues to grow. At that time, half the league had had a quarterback Easily. miss time yeah. or out for the year, and that extended even the last couple of weeks. Yep. Went to, to Herbert and to Trevor Lawrence, who ended up playing through it, but did miss the end of that Bengals game, which right. did hurt them. They did lose right. that game. Uh, and so I think what we've been stuck with is because of the lack of health, Again, I don't necessarily think it's indicative of the entire league and the state of it right now, although it would be something worth asking Joe. I think we've got, because of the injuries, a lot of really bad quarterback-coach combinations. Yes. There's just a lot of combinations that are incredibly underwhelming. Some by choice, some not so much. Right, but yes. right. I mean, because, again, like Minnesota, for one. I like O'Connell. That's I'm totally fine with Kevin O'Connell. Won a yeah, lot of close I mean, games. Garoppolo just wasn't it, and yeah. Well, well, no, no. I'm saying in Minnesota, the head coach Kevin. Oh, O'Connell. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm thinking Raiders. I really dad. like O'Connell. Yes, but the reason that they are seven six this year is their quarterback got hurt, and I don't have to like Josh Dobbs or Nick Mullins or anything. Josh Dobbs is a great story, but right. he's not a starting quarterback in the league. No. Neither is Nick Mullins. Nope. Uh, who they're going to trot out there this week? Um, that's a situation where okay, they're seven six team because of a bad luck. But then you have other situations. Yes, I mean, the Vegas situation is definitely one where I didn't like the head coach or the, the quarterback, and, and then here we are. Uh, but you have plenty of situations, and some of these teams might end up in the playoffs. Again, someone in the NFC South will win the division, and their quarterback-coach combination is not going to be a very good one. Um, you have an, some other teams that are treading water that would have had one element of it correct but have an injury. Cincinnati's another team where – Actually, Browning's been playing pretty well, but he's not Joe Burrow, and that's hurt them. And it goes up and up and down the league. So I think that you've had a marrying of the teams that had a pretty good quarterback coach combo have had an injury or had an issue that was significant, and the teams that maybe were in a worse place have kind of sucked up towards the middle because of nobody really being able to dominate. And right. Uh, you have now no one in the NFC with less than three losses. So you won't have a 15-2, 16-1 team in the NFC. And the AFC, what was that? Miami's fourth loss. So Baltimore's yeah. the only team with three, even. I think everyone else has it, has more yes. than three. Yep. So you don't have one or two teams just kind of bullying their division or bullying the rest of the league. And so, and, and also, other than Carolina – what everyone else has at least three. I guess that's that's more normal on the bottom end. But I just think that the some of the top teams have fallen in on each other, and some of the middle bottom middle teams have risen up through travails right. of, of of better, more accomplished teams. Uh, and, and it's been it's just been kind of weird. It honestly. has been weird. Uh, I agree. I I think that there still is kind of a defined top tier. Because I still don't see how anyone will win the NFC other than San Francisco, Philly, or Dallas. Yeah. And, again, Dallas is controversial just because they are really good. They are good enough to do it, but they are Dallas, and they have found ways not to do it when they've been plenty good enough. Yeah. And then AFC, I I think Baltimore is the front runner, but they've never done it before. And so you still have Kansas City. Yes. Who – has millions of problems, honestly, but oh, they're still going to win the AFC West in all likelihood. Probably. Uh, I don't trust Miami. I'm sorry. I don't. I think it's cool. I what? think Hill's awesome, but I love McDaniel, but I give me – I are you, do you trust playoff Tua right now? I mean, they – No. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was – great. I was, was going to say, I was fully trusting Miami until what just happened. 
Well, yeah. see, they hadn't and beat that, anyone with a great record, though, this year. That, yeah. And then and, they and, lost to Tennessee, and that wasn't a good loss at all. So you you saw how delicate it is, and yeah. it actually, I thought, improved the case for Tyreek Hill being as valuable as he is because he plays less snaps in that game, and right. all of a sudden, they weren't going to score. Right. Again, I, you might say, oh, well, they still ended up 27 points. Here's how they had 27 points. They had a pick six. Oh, okay, from uh, Will Levis looked Woo. in that moment bad. He ended up playing really they well, did, but, but that that, that, that pass was awful. That was bad, bad. Tennessee muffs a punt at their yep. own 15 yard line. That's yep. a touchdown, and then they fumble a pitch play also at like their own 20 yard line that yep. leads to like an 18 yard possession. So two 10 to 20 yard fields for touchdowns, and, a and then a pick six. six. They didn't have one real drive. That got them a touchdown all game. And even the pick six was like a five-yard return. Yeah. yeah. No, it was just field position. <laughs> field position. Right. <laughs> so I don't trust Miami. Baltimore's never done it, but that's fine. And, like, uh, And to be fair, they've, they've been – they have over the last, like, I would say, what, three, four years, they've been good. And they've right, been when Lamar's healthy. And then Lamar yeah. gets hurt. Right, so they, that's fair. It's usually around this time yeah. so, where things uh, start to derail. Just go ahead and slide, Lamar, if you're yeah, listening. Because right, if, if, you, if you said 18 quarterbacks are going to hurt the NFL, Lamar Jackson's not one of them, the amount, of he, amount that surprised. he runs. Right. You know that that's that feels like borrowed time for this year. Not wishing on, but uh, and, and then again, Kansas City, record-wise, disappointing. Um, Mahomes not having a great year. Receivers are awful. Uh, they're still going to be in a playoffs position, but just not looking like one of their robust years. So, you want a quick portal tidbit before you go to commercial? Uh, sure. Uh, Ohio State transfer Kyle McCord is no longer looking at Nebraska. That's because oh. of Riola. And that yeah. Yeah. dig out of things. I, we figured Dylan Rail is going to be their yeah. guy. We figured wow. there's no way they were going to take both of them. Oh, my so, gosh. Uh, that is That's big a huge deep. loss for Georgia if that happens. We are going to take our next time out of the show back with Joe Bartle of Rotowire right after this. Do you want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday as we go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line and we welcome on Joe Bartle of Rotowire as he's been with us each and every week throughout the football season. Joe, as always, the time is greatly appreciated. How are things in your world? Yeah, it could be better. You know, I was hoping the uh, Packers wouldn't be completely disappointing come Monday, but I've don't really feel like it was all that surprising and uh frankly i, I thought a lot of the games uh, last week were a bit mundane from a fantasy perspective you had guys like mike evans and nico collins and uh, even tyree kill all kind of disappoint so we'll see if that turns around to the fantasy playoffs yes sir and unfortunately what is not turning around is the fact that we have some more primetime football at least <laughs> on thursday night uh, the sunday night game is is good uh, the Thursday night game, not as much. Uh, and so that that is not the best. But uh, we will start with some 
uh, other fantasy implications. Uh, very interested to see Tyreek Hill have a little bit of an ankle problem on Monday night against Tennessee. That definitely affected Miami's offense. Any worry about his health and if he is on the injury report or does have a problem going, uh, what would be the move there? Yeah, I think I saw he was an estimate limited participant in practice today or maybe would have been just out right now practicing. But those guys that come off Monday night don't normally practice Wednesday anyhow. It'll be it'll be really interesting because that's probably one of the biggest uh, conflicts of the Week 15 slate is there's a number of quarterbacks, no bye weeks anymore, where you could say easily, I don't know if you should start them or play them, uh, in, even like you would normally play them. So like two is a perfect example, may have a limited Tyree kill. I would anticipate if he finished Monday's game, he should be fine for next week, but maybe kind of get weird with that. Limited Tyree kill going against that Jets defense, which has looked awesome, and I know – uh, uh, hindered C.J. Stroud's fantasy performance last week and ultimately left him cussed. I, I don't I don't think Tua gets hurt. I'm not saying that, but that's a really tricky spot to go ahead and play Tua anyway. And uh, a guy like Kyler Murray going into the Niners defense, too, with the, the banged-up weapon the Cardinals have, another one of those same issues. I, I think you have to play Terry Kill if he's healthy. I think you play most of your studs. But the quarterback position with no bye weeks now, of course, the rest of the season, but this week in particular, I think has left a few streaming candidates becoming starting options this week. And then looking at another wide receiver, uh, Stefan Diggs, kind of kind of in a bit of a slump these last, you know, two, three, four weeks. Um, you know, doesn't seem like he and Josh Allen are really on the same page. Coming up, playing Dallas's defense, uh, uh, the playoffs, you know, obviously have started for fantasy. Uh, so what do you think about that matchup, and, and what, what do you think about Diggs? Yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting. Dalton Kincaid had left that in, uh, game against the Chiefs with an injury. Dawson Knox had just came off injury reserve, so was already getting some work. But I think Kincaid actually makes a huge difference in that Bills offense. And if he's unable to play, that that makes things really limited. The early spread had the Bills favored by two in Buffalo, which I thought was really surprising given the dominance of the Cowboys the past month. Um, it, the over/under I think pushed close to fifty points, maybe like forty-seven and a half. If Vegas is correct, and you know they made a lot of money, all those uh, hotels out there in the desert uh, are big for a reason, then I would assume Stephon Diggs is going to be totally fine from a fantasy perspective. There's a lot of points getting generated from that game, and Diggs is going to be a critical part, whether it's Deron Bland or whatever, jumping passes. There's probably turnovers, probably a defense touchdown, possibly with Josh Allen's propensity to throw interceptions. But I do think Stephon Diggs gets fed quite a bit and lost in the coverage part for the Cowboys. You know, They're great generating turnovers. That makes the defense good overall. They, they struggle a little bit when they actually have to cover people. I mean, that's that's part of the jump and make plays, but also kind of get exposed in certain situations. I I, I think Diggs is a totally fine play. I feel very confident playing him. Same with Josh Allen. And kind of a general question here, Joe, as we get into the fantasy playoffs, I know some leagues started last week, some are starting this week. This week. Uh, what is your general strategy? If you've got tough start-sit decisions, do you go with the guys that – have been hotter as of late or the guys that are general regarded as just better options? I mean, it, I, I know it's got to be case by case to some degree, but just have you ever thought of it that way, in a certain way in terms of leaning this in one type of player or another? For most of my career at Rudaware, and we're, we're getting close to 10 years now, uh, I've played in a number of expert leagues and you know against other rival companies, stuff like that. My philosophy has always been, Play the guys that got you there. I don't want to overthink things. The last thing I want in a pivotal matchup is to get frustrated that I went with choice B 
which seemed like it had a better matchup on paper, but Choice A has been so good for so long. This year might be the one difference, and again, I go back to quarterback in particular. Guys like Justin Jefferson, who are banged up, or Tyreek Hill, I, I think you have to play them if they're able to play. Devonta Adams, um, I, I think, was listed as questionable for tomorrow's game, despite not practicing this week. I don't know his stats, but if he's good to go, I would play him. So Josh Jacobs, who didn't practice all week, um, but is listed as questionable for the Raiders. It's, it is the quarterback position for me, and I, I go to Jake Browning. Uh, but you could also talk about Matthew Stafford with the Rams having a good match this week, or even Joe Flacco now over the past couple weeks with the Browns offense. The amount of injuries that we've seen at the quarterback position to nominal starters, guys that you'd like to have in fantasy, has made it so that bottom tier of the top ten, so I'm thinking like quarterbacks five through ten, can easily be churned around. Like Those were quarterbacks you were thinking were maybe top 20 options entering the season that have not been pressed up higher. You should be trying to stream them if that's the case. And even Tua against the Jets, uh, like I mentioned, Kyler Murray against the Niners, I would be playing Jake Browning and Joe Flacco over those guys because I just have more confidence in those defenses shutting down the opposition but also hindering fantasy points. And those quarterbacks like Browning and Joe Flacco being in a position offensively but also defensively where points should be more involved in that capacity too. And then looking at the running backs, uh, Isaiah Pacheco for the Chiefs obviously did not play uh, against the Bills this past week, suffered an injury, so uh, wasn't able to go. Uh, kind of monitored that situation all week. He's on one of my teams. Um, do you think he's going to be able to come back in a full capacity against the Patriots, um, or do you think that maybe it'll be in a more limited capacity as they're trying to gear up for the playoffs? Yeah, that's a pretty big deal. So it's Pacheco, uh, Alexander Masson that suffered, I think, a high ankle sprain, although that definition of injury seems to be changing in the NFL over the past couple weeks. Right. Trevor Lawrence returning on that. Uh, and then you also have if Jacobs can't play, Zemir White. So three situations at running back where it's entirely possible that you could go with backup starters uh, and play them in the fantasy playoffs. I don't really feel good about Ty Chandler uh, who is widely available as of Tuesday. I just don't think he's all that good. And I think the Vikings offense, whether it be Nick Bones or uh, Josh Dobbs, he's pretty limited even though it's a good matchup. I think it's pretty limited. It makes me concerned. Uh, and if Pat Chandler was more involved as a pass catcher, fine. Then, then you're kind of assuming from a PPR perspective, he gives you a safer floor. But that's exactly why I like Jarek McKinnon. You mentioned Pacheco. When that report came out Friday that he didn't play or he wasn't going to play and then he used to be out, it caught a lot of people by surprise. I wasn't surprised by that. But when asked Friday evening if Andy Reid uh, was going to put Pacheco on injured reserve, he said, we'll see. And that didn't happen Saturday. But that there wasn't the, oh, he's fine, he'll be ready to go in a couple weeks thing makes me a little bit nervous, and we're doing the estimation game here Wednesday, but based off those comments, I would assume Pacheco does not play this week, which would make Jarek McKinnon and, to some extent, Edward Solaire also fantasy viable. But I, I think of all those options, Amir White is my favorite if Jacob's unable to go. That Chargers defense is not very good. They are certainly an uninspired football team. They're going to have Easton Stick playing at quarterback, and no Keenan Allen. I mean, there couldn't be any better situation for a running back to grind out 20 carries and the Raiders win 10 nothing uh, in a primetime game in Las Vegas. I, I think Zamir White is probably my favorite streaming running back, but you could make a McKinnon or Ty Chandler uh, among that level too. He's Joe Bartle of RotoWire joining us today on Sports Call. And Joe, let's go ahead and ask you about our matchup uh, this week between Green Bay and Tampa Bay. Uh, I was reading a stat today uh, Buccaneers since 1989 in Green Bay in the regular season. The Packers are 14-1 and against Tampa while in Green Bay. Uh, the frozen tundra. What's the weather looking like on Sunday? I guess that's that's important for a good Floridian team uh, to, to know about first and foremost. 
Yeah, glad glad you mentioned the regular season and then talk about Tom Brady's refs winning the uh, the championship game in Lambeau a couple of years ago. Uh, that will forever be a game that pisses me off. As, as a guy that has sat through Brandon Bostic not catching an onside kick uh, against the Seahawks and a few other NFC championship woes that you call pass interference on Kevin King when 15 feet over Tyler Johnson's head, uh, that will live in infamy in my mind. So, yes, regular season, that, of course, is important in this case. I, I think the weather is going to be a little bit colder um, right now, at least in Wisconsin. It's kind of been that cold spell, but I anticipate there won't be actual conditions like rain and snow come Saturday, Sunday. And if that's the case, I think the Buccaneers offense is going to look good. I know Mike Evans last week got shut out and injured a lot of fantasy people in that regard, but uh, he has been on a tear, and I would fully anticipate Mike Evans has a vintage game against this Packers defense. Joe Barry will always make sure that your offense players look competent, no matter if they're living with their parents or their Hall of Fame quarterbacks. doesn't matter. Uh, that's what Joe Barry is specialized at. So I think Rashad White gets a lot of uh, production. I think Mike Evans does as well, too. And Baker Mayfield isn't quite at that tier of the, the streaming quarterbacks I would like to consider, but by no means is a bad option. I think it's going to be a very close, competitive game, and uh, I have a lot of respect for that Buccaneers offense. It's just can the defense make enough turnovers, make enough plays where – uh, you're slowing down Jordan Love and company. We'll, we'll see. I mean, Levante, David, Devin White have been injured at times. I know David came back, I think it was last week or yes. the week before. And the secondary is missing some pieces, too. But uh, it's still a, a Buccaneers defense that two years ago was one of the best in the league. And I just have a hard time being that concerned uh, when they're going against inconsistent offense play like the Packers have put out there. There are some uneven matchups this week, Joe, where I feel like I feel like last week the uneven matchups ended up being very even, and there was a lot of upsets, if you can call that, in the NFL last week. But, I mean, there's some lopsided stuff this week. Kansas City going up against New England. You have the 49ers against the Cardinals. Uh, you know, even I know that they've struggled from time to time, but even record-wise, Falcons versus the Panthers and that sort of thing. Uh, it, if we see any sort of big blowout, how does that affect – fantasy managers, should they give any consideration to a couple of these games that might end up being two, three, four possession games? Yeah, and Dolphins-Jets also had a higher spread, too, even though I'm, I'm nervous from that perspective. I don't I don't know if it's like, a, oh, I need to play Jerick McKinnon or Edward Slayer way more because they're going against the Patriots. I actually think it could be low scoring, and the over-under was only around the 43 or two-point range, I think, as Tuesday. I mean, I could see the Chiefs doing that all on their own. Uh, I don't see the Patriots doing all that much offensively, but I didn't think they did that last Thursday. And then, of course, ended up beating the Steelers and kind of ended the Steelers' uh, postseason opportunities. I know it's a long season, but that's a that's a tough two-week two, two week stretch for the Steelers. Um, it, I, I don't know if it makes me want to play those guys more. I mean, you're already playing George Kittle, Brendan Ayuk, Devo Samuel McCaffrey anyway, that they're going against the Cardinals' defense doesn't really matter too much. I guess there's concern that you take them up in the third quarter. But in that event, if the Niners were taking players out in the third quarter, all those guys have probably contributed to them going off anyway. So I, I don't think the, the spreads matter too much. It doesn't concern me in any direction. And uh, I think a lot of those guys were players that struggled last week for one week or another. They should be primed for a bounce-back game in a, in a week that, for most people, matters more in the fantasy playoffs. He's Joe Bartle of RotoWire joining us today on the show. Joe, as always, we certainly appreciate the time. What is everything going on in your world with RotoWire and SiriusXM and that sort of thing this time of year? Yeah, I, I tweeted out earlier today. I have my big betting sheet from Tuesday up there. Uh, you know, we're on week 15, still over 500 with the uh, the game spreads and over under. I feel pretty good about that. Uh, maybe maybe I shouldn't. It's just a personal achievement, but uh, still chugging along there. We'll continue that 
through the rest of the season. Um, and for a lot of people, obviously, the fantasy playoffs have started. So we, we talked about all those wave wire pickups, the Ty Chandlers of the world. Uh, for me, I was really campaigning for Zamir White. Zay Jones is an interesting pick if you need receivers. Um, all that was on the Rotoware NFL podcast. You know, search Rotoware NFL podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. And we got you covered there, too. And I'll be on Sirius XM Friday uh, doing my normal 8 to 10 p.m. shift, but also next Monday for that Monday night football game. We'll be going, uh, watching that one live and kind of reacting to it, too. And hopefully getting you set for the next week of the fantasy playoffs if you are interested. So a lot of different ways to find my content out there. A lot of good stuff out there for sure. He's Joe Bartle of RotoWire joining us today. Joe, again, as always, we appreciate the time. We appreciate you going through the little bit of uh, uh, under the weather feeling there and uh, hope you feel better soon and we'll talk to you again next week. Yeah, yeah, no problem. We'll be good to go. Just get a few more cough drops and we'll be set. So, <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, be going. Packers, we'll talk again next week. Yeah, sounds good. That does uh, Joe Bartle of RotoWire joining us today on the show. Appreciate Joe for joining us each and every week. We are going to head to our next timeout. Back with more sports call right after this. Another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday. Again, our thanks to Joe Bartle of RotoWire for joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line there. If you missed what he had to say, go back and check it out on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Again, the biggest thing Auburn-related now as we get under a half hour away from the 2024 SEC football schedule reveal. Again, there is one more Auburn opponent to unveil, and so we'll see who that will be. And I believe that will probably end up in the month of September, but again, we'll get confirmation on that. We'll see when Oklahoma makes their maiden voyage to Jordan-Hare Stadium as a member of the SEC. That'll be exciting. And uh, again, see when... These other road trips are to Lexington, Kentucky, and Columbia, Missouri. Again, we believe the Georgia game will be the fifth week of the season based off reporting from the 247 folks at Georgia, and that will be October the 5th. And again, we'll see what Auburn has before and after that, but it's believed Georgia will have Alabama the week before that, and uh, those two teams matching up prior to the SEC championship game next season. And, again, looking forward to that. I will probably be still at the office, so I guess I will be watching the schedule reveal. My appetite for these type of things has continued to wane in recent years because of the immediacy of of having a phone and having social media and all that that gets reported immediately. And so 
I don't always watch this kind of thing, but I guess it will. I will not be going out of my way to watch it because it'll just kind of be on and uh, the in the station. But I, I avoided the Heisman <laughs> announcement Saturday night and just waited for the notification to come through. Up, oh, Jane Daniels. All right, yeah. sounds good. Uh, and then I searched out a little bit later uh, the, the voting total, see how close it was. Oh, okay, closer than usual. Okay, cool. And that's about <laughs> that's about how it went. Uh, so I don't know what how many people will be watching it live, but um, I guess I will be one tonight. But if I lose patience, then I lose patience, and I'll go on social media and find it out 15 <laughs> minutes later. Right. It's not gonna not gonna ruin my evening. It's a lot different. Then 20, 30 years ago, where you're trying to watch something live, you miss it, and you're going to have to wait a while. <laughs> I'll wait till the next day, usually. So, uh, different times for sure. But uh, waiting on that, I'm waiting on that 2024 SEC schedule. Going to be interesting to see how Auburn basketball plays tonight against UNC Asheville. Of course, that game against USC on Sunday, Tom. Yeah. Uh, I know you won't be on the show again between now and then, but uh, that, that one will be – an interesting one, and I, I get. I know USC has struggled as a team, but they do present challenges. It is a team that Auburn lost to last year, and of course, there's going to be a lot of media coverage. Even if LeBron's not in the building, it's going to be a yeah. lot of media coverage of it. Yeah, um, get through the one today, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm, not, as, I, as, as, yeah, I'm as, just giving you a chance no, since you're not I, on the show. Thursday, oh, no, no, brother. I'm just saying, as a team, as don't look forward. But yes, Sunday. Uh, uh, Southern Cal, I mean, it's a team coming in here, uh, have not been playing the greatest. Uh, you, They're a very young team, but they've got superstar talent. And then, of course, they've got Bronny. Uh, he has been cleared. He's he's already played one game. Yes, Long um, Beach State. Against Long Beach State, yeah. So, um, uh, Bryant, for, uh, for people that maybe don't know, Bronny James in the offseason had a cardiac event, like actually went into cardiac arrest. And uh, very scary situation with that, but he has uh, med- been medically treated and has done whatever the work he needs to be to be cleared. Uh, he's finally been cleared to play and has played in the one game. Uh, so, yeah, so Bronny James, the son of LeBron, will be in Neville Arena Sunday along with the other superstar talent they have. Uh, they're going to be a tough team. Um, like I said, they've, they've, they've recruited very well there, and uh, they have a lot of talent. We'll see uh, if if LeBron makes the trip. They they don't have a game that day. I think that it falls in between a couple of games of theirs. But you know, of course, he's got plenty of money. He can fly wherever he wants to, and maybe him and Charles will be here together, hanging out. That would be that'd be interesting to see. That that would him be. and Sir Charles hanging out in Neville. Yeah, no, that would be a, that would be a sight to see for sure. The cameras would be all over. Again, the Lakers have have games now. Again, he proclaimed and he did. He would go to the first game that Bronny played, no matter what. Yeah, uh, which he did. Well, which he, yeah, which he did. Yeah. Uh, but the Lakers are at San Antonio on Friday. They then host the Knicks Monday. If they were going to the Knicks on Monday, you'd say you kind of just kind of jet on over and you're kind of like going a, one way a detour. Um, but Going back to Los Angeles again, I, I don't I don't know, but he it's going to probably be a secret until Sunday. I would I because I don't think they want to uh, advertise. I don't right. think he's going to advertise it. And I was just trying to think. Maybe uh, you guys know. Yeah, I was spitballing. Uh, couldn't think of a time. I can't even think of a time the guy stepped foot in the state of Alabama. No, uh, I mean yeah. I, I, he might. Nick Saban might have invited him to something. Like I could I could have seen that because I know Kobe did that one time. Yeah. 
Um, but again, I, I was I know that's I weird to think about. Yeah, I don't think LeBron has ever. But he, since he didn't play college ball, and in high school, St. Vincent, St. Mary's, I don't know if the, I don't see why they would have played a state of Alabama team. It's certainly not in the state of Alabama. And I, again, I can't even I can't even figure out if there there'd been time. But uh, we'll see if that ends up happening. Of course, that will come up on Sunday. Of course, got to get through this UNC Astral game first. Uh, coming up tonight inside of Huntsville. Again, we talked a little bit earlier about that one. And, again, this is more a game about Auburn and, again, trying to shoot the ball well, take care of Auburn things, play consistent uh, and that sort of thing. But, uh, again, another opportunity, as they are the number 29 team. Technically, I know we're not ranking teams above 25, but if you look at the votes to be ranked category, they've got the fourth most votes to be ranked. So they are knocking on the door of that and the way too early bracketology goes on and this, that, and the other thing. And so uh, still trying to take care of all their non-conference stuff. Certainly USC will be the last big test of that, I think, uh, on, on Sunday before they get into conference play later in the in the month of January. But, uh, yeah, it's exciting exciting stuff for sure. Uh, going to be there. Yeah, yeah, wait. on Sunday. Yeah. I will not. I will uh, – Brooks is going to be – Representing us again, we we get one seat at those games. Brooks is going to that one. He's going to the one tonight. I will watch basketball and football on Sunday. Uh, yeah, that's what I will be doing. See, that's, it's such a weird feeling. I realized it as I was sitting out there when we were doing our our football pick. And I was like, oh my gosh, this will be the first Falcons game that I am not watching. It's gonna feel weird. Yeah, it's gonna feel very you need a weird. score update. And oh, like, I want to know how that happened, yeah. good or bad. Yeah, exactly. But and the good thing is, the you know basketball games that go by so fast will be over in two hours. Yeah, so. you should see the end of yeah. it. Yeah, so it should should catch probably midway through the third quarter to the end of the game. So, yeah, should 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 at least be able to watch that. But not to have watched a full game is weird for me because I'm very committed to finding and yeah. watching watching the games, even if they're not within you know even if the regional game didn't pick it. But I'm excited to be able to get the opportunity to be in Neville Arena and um, watch the watch this matchup. Um, you know, see Bronny James live in person with the potential, not potential, however that plays out with LeBron being there if he does show up, step, step foot in the state of Alabama like, <laughs> to come watch an Auburn game, watch his son play in the Auburn in Auburn, er, in Neville Arena. That would be pretty cool. That would be a dope opportunity. Yeah, for sure, uh, for sure. So I, I'm I'm wondering what the atmosphere is going to be like for that game with the students all being gone. I still think it's going to be a pretty good one. I still think it's going to be a very yeah, good one. No, I, I do too. I, USC, that I mean, that's a marquee. Plus, it's brawny. Like that is where it's really going to make that a lot of students are going to show because obviously everybody knows who LeBron, you know, who's Bron, who Bronny's dad yeah. is. So I think that's just going to help and feed into the student section. That the second he gets into the game, you know, he's he's going to hear some chants and uh, from the student section. I have no doubt about it. Yeah. No, I. I I, I that's the first road game he's playing. Again, that's going to have national coverage. Yeah. I, I, I'm tr- I, normally over the holidays. Absolutely, I mean they're trying to they're trying to beg people to get down the student section. But uh, I since it is still a full week till Christmas, and the magnitude of who's coming here again, not because of the program necessarily, but because of the player. Uh, I think that that I think that's been circled for a lot of people and. I certainly feel the buzz. Even people that don't even like LeBron are are very interested in in that game. So I, I think that will be definitely the best non conference atmosphere 
of the season. But again, Auburn with a busy week this week. They will have UNC Asheville tonight, obviously, and then uh, USC on Sunday. And then they don't really take a long break. I mean, they're back at it the next Friday against Alabama State, have eight days off before they host Chattanooga, and that will conclude the month of December. They got one non-conference game in January against Penn, who's had a, a couple good wins this year. Uh, before they get in the SEC play yeah, and start at Arkansas. They played Arkansas. Kentucky well this past Saturday to, for about a half. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, obviously Kentucky ended up winning, but they, they were still pretty competitive against Kentucky. Yeah, I, I thought they pulled off a win against somebody too. I was currently looking through uh, UNC Asheville's credentials uh, since that is the game tonight. And to be honest with you, again, they, they have a 5-5 five and five record. Their only, I, I guess, win of note would be Western Kentucky on the season, beating them by 10. Uh, they lost to Michigan by 25, though. Lost to UNC Wilmington by 17. Lost to Lipscomb by 11. Did beat Walford, who's usually a respectable SOCON program. Uh, but lost a close one to Kennesaw State and lost to Western Carolina this past weekend by 15. So really, again, I don't know how that will play out for UNC Asheville in their conference, uh, but I would not expect to, this to be an overwhelmingly good uh, smaller conference team. Yeah. Uh, interesting enough, UNC Asheville does play at UAB, by the way, huh. in, a, in a couple weeks, too. So they got a couple trips to Go the state Blazers. of Alabama. Go Blazers, baby. Yeah. Uh, well, you, they are bad this year. Let me tell you that. Yeah. Uh, are they? Uh, yeah. Uh huh. The Blazers? Yeah. yeah. Are they? Yeah, yeah they, they are. are. They uh, I normally have a pretty respectable team over there. Program. 100%. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a good basketball program. It's not even so, it's a good basketball program, but uh, they Down moved. Here, they moved conferences and yeah. naturally just immediately before even having a chance in a better conference, just went ahead and fell, fell off a cliff. Their transfers are not working out this year. They don't have Jelly Walker anymore. Uh, of course, UAB lost in the NIT championship game last right. year. Um, not going to be there this year. Uh, they are, they're tough. rough. They, they got pounded tough. by Arkansas State the other night. So. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. Um, more portal news, if you're interested, Ryan. Um Texas Malik Murphy has entered yeah, the Tom, transfer portal. Yeah, Tom mentioned that off yeah. air a little while ago. Um, another quarterback. Now he's going to fall under a different category because that's going to be more of a hope of potential, right? Than a known commodity for sure. Uh, he's I, a big time recruit though. Yeah, oh, he was yeah. certainly a big, he was. Recruit. huge recruit. Now that might mean that Arch Manning is going to win out the backup job, but also Probably. I think it's. And just an acknowledgement of Quinn Ewers returning yeah, next right. year. He too. said he's not even gonna. He said he's not playing. He's not, he's not gonna, gonna be, be there with, with the playoffs. The football playoffs. Nope. See, leaving. that's just. He said that the what Pete Thamel said is that uh, he would have preferred to stay through the season, but the timing did not allow it. He said it's nothing against Texas at all. I'm doing this purely for me and my future. In my eyes, I'll always be a Longhorn and a part of this great team. Yeah. Until he joins another team. Right. I will always be a part of the next university. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it just – I I know that there's been a lot of different – we've moved the needle a lot. We've gone from not participating in bowl games because of NFL draft stock to, you know, hitting the portal early before bowl season to now – hitting the portal even for playoff teams. So like Bama's had a few guys. And they're not big guys, but like Ja'Cory Brooks, wasn't it, that hit the portal yeah, I think uh, so, yeah. a week yes. or two ago? And it's like, I get it, but I also don't. <laughs> I mean, like, it. here's the thing. Something can be allowed, but you don't have to be happy about it. I think that people, some people are, you know, all for every single bit of player movement, and that's fine. 
But that doesn't always have to mean that it's a great look. Right. And if you're leaving a playoff team, I'm sorry. Like I, like that that to me, I'm not going to say it's a great look. You can leave it after the season's over. Uh, and I think the portal window closes like the first week of January. So like you can still play at least the semifinal game, be on the team for semifinal, and then enter the portal. So I'm not sure what the benefit is. Now, if you make the title game, I think that's different because I think the portal window closes before that. But again, you don't have to commit before the portal window closes. You just have to be in the portal. So play the game, and then the next Monday or whatever, the next day, get in the portal. Like I, What what if Ewers gets hurt? I, I'm just saying. like like If well, Ewers Arch, gets hurt, they would have gone to Malik Murphy. Now they'll go to... Would they have gone to Malik uh, or Arch? The, they went to they Malik. Malik uh, yeah, they like when Ewers Malik. missed a couple games this yeah, year, it was Malik played, Murphy playing quarterback. Yeah, it was yeah. not Arch Manning. Yeah, so it was Malik. It, it was going to be Malik Murphy. Uh, and so... You know they now it's going to be Arch and that's fine. He they let him play in one game down the stretch too. They let him play in the Texas Tech game that that they absolutely drubbed Texas Tech in. But again, what what if something happens? And what I mean, it can happen. I, I just again, I I would. I'm sorry, that's not a good look in my opinion. And uh, as every right transfer go to another school, uh, again he's not going to play next year at Texas because Quinn Ewers is going to come back. And he's that's going to be a big time draw, by the way. See Texas Quinn Ewers in the SEC, but uh, I just I think that you when you're playing for the sports ultimate prize and all the effort and time that goes into the energy talking about that, I think that you've got to honor some sort of commitment because you know players are you know people proponents always say well coaches can move all the time and blah 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 and. Yeah, but a co- but a head coach is not moving off a playoff team. Like like there still are certain areas that would not happen. Now maybe a grad assistant or something would change, but I I I'm not going to speak without knowing for a fact, but I'd be surprised if you can even find me a coordinator that that actually left the job. You can find me coordinators that took another job, but they still usually work the bowl game. Um and I, I Alabama's had this several times where those guys usually stay behind and and maybe one time they did leave but even that even still that's not even the full point it's the head coach doesn't up and leave a playoff team and at some point you got to have some sort of standard and if you expect a school to be committed to you but you can't commit to them for the entirety of a season then again I don't I, that that's where it, it's a clear drawn line for me and I don't have a problem with the guys going to the NFL. I understand it. I still don't have to even like that, but at least I understand the line of thinking. This one, though, and all the guys, again, all the guys that would go ahead and go in the portal for Michigan, uh, Texas, Washington, or Alabama, I just that that's a red flag to me. It may not be to other people, but it is a red flag to me. Final couple minutes of the show today. Time for a nightly TV guide to round things off. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. All right, Sports Call's nightly TV guide. It's presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Uh, again, tonight you've got Auburn and UNC Asheville. That is a 7 o'clock game, and that one is going to air on the SEC Network Plus, or I guess on ESPN Plus. So again, that is not a linear broadcast. It's SEC Network Plus, 7 o'clock. You do have the National Hockey League, 6.30. Boston Bruins, New Jersey Devils, 6.30 TNT. 
Uh, you've also got women's college basketball also on the SEC Network at the same time. Alabama State goes to Neville Arena to play Auburn. Uh, again, 6 o'clock is the airtime on SEC Network for the schedule reveal for the 2024 SEC football schedule. And then a couple movie picks for you. 7 o'clock on AMC, it's Elf. And 7 o'clock on FX, the holiday theme continues with the Santa Claus 2. And that is Sports Calls Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. And that will do it for the show today. Tom Peavy, thank you for being here today and throughout the week. I hope you have a great rest of your week, man. We'll see you again next week. See you next Tuesday. Next Tuesday, yeah. We'll not be here Monday, but uh, we'll be here Tuesday. Sounds good. And Cam Berry, thank you for being here today. We will see you again on Friday. See you on Friday. Glad to be here. Again, that will do it for the show today. We want to thank Joe Bartle of RotoWire for joining us on the program today. And as always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For Cam Berry and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Wednesday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.